on episode 41 of Pixel Guide N. It's a cell shaded throwdown. We done played the Evercade. The Switch and our wallets get a workout. Cody fixes a bunch of computers. Lots of Atari love. Eric plays a Spectrum next. And can't keep his hands off his mister. What is a Fujinet? And we're California dreaming. Another visitor. Stay a while. Stay forever. Welcome to to be back. It is good to be back. The second episode of the legendary Pixel Guide in for August. For August and if I if I do this right, this will be August 30th. Correct, correct. I concur. Yep, and we have a great show planned. I agree, Eric. We're going to be tell, covering Tell the people what it's going to be like. We're going to be covering two cell-shaded games in our Battle of the Systems, Jet Grind slash Wait, Jet, Jet Grind, Grind slash, slash what is this game? Radio Jet Jet Grind Radio. Yes, first on the Dreamcast versus Beautiful Joe on the GameCube, which should be a good matchup. Two games that I always wanted to play when I was younger, but never really did. Yeah, and I played one a lot early on. It is a I I like playing it, but I never played Beautiful Joe, so should be a good experience. We are going to, you have a segment this month. Cody's Corner. Cody's Corner, where it's the feel of the game. The, of the essence. System. The essence of the system, The Eric. essence of the system. I get very um, esoteric. Yeah, very metaphysical. I get very, yeah, really, I, I like that, yes. Yes. I'm looking forward to that. Should be a good segment. Now, let's talk about uh, what we're going to do this episode. In regards to quick questions. Quick questions! I think I have my notes here. Let's I'm glad you have your notes. Yeah, let's do mine first here. You ready? I'm I am not, but go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not doing one, right? Yeah, you are. I got one I'm doing for Tim. For Tim, help. okay. You're gonna Tim who's and Tim who is not with us today, unfortunately. I don't believe. Yeah, and I want it in the Tim accent. No, no, you you failed me on the last episode no, doing no, no, the no, accent. No, 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 I want to hear it. Anyway, here's mine. <laughs> in, in honor of our battle this month. Eric, what's your heritage? What's my heritage? Yeah. What are you? Yeah, Besides American, what are you? There is, a, there is a story behind this. I don't know if you want to get into it, but it's a short story. So all, <laughs> all along, um, my dad always told me that I had Native American in me. Like, in, oh, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, okay. A, and... Um, he told me about his grandfather and this and that and that I was part of this tribe and blah, 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 right? And then he spit into a vial and sent it to uh, Ancestry.com. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> That's exactly what I did. Well, my wife bought it as a present. Like, I yep. think it was a Christmas gift because I would have never Dad done that Dad didn't know that, that was coming in the future. I would have never done that on my own because I, I got to be honest with you. Like, people that are into genealogy and figuring out their, their roots and heritage, I think it's cool people have a hobby and that, that they're into yeah, yeah. it. I have 0.0% interest in 
heritage or anything Except like that. Except that it makes a good segment on Pixel Guy Dad. Right, exactly. So anyway, my dad told me that a long time ago. I'm not very close with my, with my dad, unfortunately. But So it's not like I'm going to go ask him or even care. But I did the ancestry thing. Zero percent Native American. Zero <laughs> percent. So, so what are you? Uh, it's just like the the British, uh, some French. Some French? Yep. Some Great. French. Eric, I want you to ask me this question in okay. a French accent. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, just say, oh. Pixel Guide, where we perfect your yeah, exactly. accent. In honor. Oh, no, wow. I can't do it. I'm horrible. Wow, you did it. You tried. Yeah, I'm not doing it. I'm going to give you a little. Uh... <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you for the break. Eric. That was very brave of you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> In honor of our battle this month, what is your favorite cel-shaded game of all time? So this is the one I think you and I have the exact same game. I'm going to take a guess. Okay, yeah, we I, probably do. I looked through there and started looked. I typed in cel-shaded video games because yep. I wanted to see a list. Yep. And I, I love the look, mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of games I actually enjoyed that were cel-shaded. Same here. Same Until here. I got down to, ready? One, two, three. Three. Valkyria. Oh, ooh, that's a good one. I didn't see that. I was going to say Valkyria Chronicles. Which I love. I love Valkyria Chronicles. I didn't think about that. I don't even cons- I didn't even think about that as a yeah. cel-shaded game. I guess I didn't it think about Borderlands. I'm surprised. I still so, like Valkyria Chronicles better, though. Yeah, so I for, love that game. So for me, uh, well, this is your quick question. Why don't you go first? That was my answer. Valkyria Chronicles. Valkyria, yeah, which people don't know is a very turn-based. I always think of it as like an anime game. It, 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 I mean, it's anime, but it's a turn-based over the shoulder turn-based cell shaded cell shaded I mean, the graphics are cell shaded okay the cell shaded thing is purely a graphical yeah yeah thing um i love i love valkyria chronicles by the way i even bought it again because i had it on um what system i have i had it on one PS, system but ps2 I, is what it originated yeah on. and then i bought it again on switch because there was a version that came out on switch yeah. and I, I haven't even played that i just bought it because i love it so much i want to get to it someday Mine is Borderlands, Borderlands 1 in particular, because I tried 2, I haven't tried 3 yet, but I didn't like 2 as much as 1. 1 I loved so much, I mean, I played it and beat it all the way to the end, beat Handsome Jack. I, I, I loved played, that I played game. 1 and 2, and they're both awesome. Yeah. I would. I mean, but 1, I would say, I'd give 1 the nod. Yeah, I love Borderlands 1. So anyway, that's my answer and your answer. Catch a ride! <laughs> Catch a ride! <laughs> Catch a ride! Good one, good one. All right. The second question comes to us from our over-the-seas correspondent who can't be with us today, okay. uh, Mr. Tim Drew. And yes. he says, as you guys grew up in California, mm. <laughs> please continue. <laughs> what do you think of California games? What is the event you like the most? And on what system did you play it first on? I said that kind of funny. Mm-hmm. I said it funnier, but no. he said it kind of funny. Yeah. Do you feel the game captured any of the essence of growing up in the 80s, light and early 90s, that sounded kind of Australian. Yeah. And early 90s with the look, feel, and events in the game. <laughs> Let's throw some were, shrimp on the Barbie. <laughs> were you guys in the skateboarding or hacky sacking? And also, I like crisps, he says. Because. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that is a Bobby Dazzler. I'll, t- I'll pull the crisps out of the boot. <laughs> Governor. <laughs> Governor. <laughs> Go ahead, why don't you answer this first? All right. So this, I definitely have an answer. Mm, well, here's my answer. To this mm-hmm. day, I have still not played California games. Oh, wow. There's my answer. Jiminy Christmas. That was be- that honestly was before my time. Yeah. And I remember when I was a kid seeing that game in like the rental stores on Nintendo because they converted it to Nintendo. They did, yeah. And I was like, what is that weird old It's a bunch of like small kind of games shoved together. Yeah. Never had an interest. Mm-hmm. That being said, the look and feel of it, um, mm-hmm. 
So I don't see it's hard for me because it's it, it really tries to grab the essence of the eighties. I was born in eighty three, so I really wasn't aware of what right the things, essence of the to 80s me. Was. I, I could tell you the early nineties, which yeah. he kind of mentions there. So I don't really have a good answer for that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as for skateboarding, absolutely, I did that because in the early nineties, it was a huge thing. Yes. Although at that point, the skateboarders had two fins instead of one. Right. Uh, and small wheels instead of big wheels. Um, and as for hacky sacking, yeah, we did. But but when I was into this stuff, I was in junior high, and hacky sacking wasn't. Um, I didn't relate it to going to the beach in my board shorts, right, with my bleached hair and hacky sacking, like it kind of California games portrays it. Yeah. To me, hacky sacking, we were into Nirvana, mm-hmm. and so we had our big long chains that went down to our knee and came back up, <laughs> and we were wearing thick, way baggy cords with no belt that half our butt showed. And right. listening to, yeah, like Nirvana and Stone Temple Pilots and stuff like that. Which is good. And it was kind of like this skater. Um, it was cool to think that everything sucked. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like the vibe. Yeah. And to me, that was hacky sack. And the, ha- the, the sacks themselves were the, the looser and the fewer beans they had, the better. To the right. point they were like floppy. And it just made it really easy to catch them with your foot and stuff. So that you could catch them with your foot, yeah. I yeah. remember that. And they were really, you had to go down to like international imports in Sacramento to buy the good ones. Yeah. And they are made out of thick, gnarly wool, and uh, everything smelled like patchouli oil. <laughs> so that was more, to me, hacky sacking and skateboarding. So yeah. now you have a more a- accurate take, because... Yeah, I mean, well, I was in high school in the 80s. So, like, yeah. I, uh, I played California games. I've only played it on... The Commodore 64, mm. which had a great version. I I love the version on Commodore 64, and I would play it. The only way for me to play California games is with somebody. It's a great multiplayer game because then you compete for times and, yeah, and scores okay. and stuff. Like, if you play against computer, it's, it's okay, but it's kind of boring. So I would play with a buddy of mine, and we would get out, out of school and go, and we would play California games. And at the time, we were really into skating, like... We skated half pipes, we skated ditches, we did ramps, launch ramps, we did tricks, we did all that stuff, and I was really into it. And um, so we were always looking for skate games, and there were a couple, two or 720, three. 720, I think of, before I would think of California 720 games. 720 and arcade, but, the, but California games, I thought, had a pretty decent skate game. I it's mean, purely a half pipe, isn't it? There's a half pipe. Yep, there's a half pipe version, and then some game, there was a downhill. I'll um, bring it up. With 720, but... Um, we, we, so we played that quite a bit, the skateboarding in there. Um, there was a game called skate or die, which I, I do remember that. I love skate or die on the Commodore 64 and my friends and I would play it all the time. That's where I think the downhill, the downhill skating was. Correct. I remember play, I did buy that cause I was in the skateboarding and that was on the NES. And for whatever reason, in my mind, that was a more modern game. Right. Even if it wasn't. Yeah. Cause I remember you yeah, had like five different events and yeah. they're all impossible. Right. They were really hard to play, but so my so my memories are playing it with friends, but living the life now. Hacky sack, not so much in the eighties. It was in the early nineties when hacky sack was kind of becoming very popular. Mm-hmm. But um, I we played the skateboarding mode to death. It was this in skate or die. Like we played it all the time. We're watching the uh, California game skate half pipe right now. Yeah, and this guy's not so good. Ah, uh, there you go. A little handstand. Little, little handstand. Yep. Can you grind the coping? I don't I, think you can. Like I there's a, there's like a ditch on this side of the ramp that you could jump over, but he doesn't. Right? It's only yeah. This guy is not doing so much. <laughs> Ozzy, his name is Ozzy. Yeah, 
Oh, here's the here's hacky sacking. Yeah. <laughs> Beep. Boop. So I did I did do. I love hacky- the, I love how they have the uh, yeah. Golden Gate Bridge in the background. So this is San Francisco apparently. Yeah. So I did do some hacky sacking, like a little bit, like in in the, I think it was my early college years, but um, mostly it was it was the skateboarding. I did the surfing quite a bit too. Just I, I've never surfed though, so. Um, but it looks accurate because there is water in a board. There is water in a so board. They've got yep. that part nailed. Yep. So that's my history with it. I did play California games a lot, especially the skateboarding event with friends. It it was a lot of fun. So that's my take. Cool, cool. Yeah. Hot take. Eric, we're done with quick questions, which yep. means we get to crack open some beers. Oh yes. We uh, did errata last episode, which means while we are cracking open some beers. Yeah. Um. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and pick the beer if you can get it for me. Yeah, which one? Uh, there's a beer in there. It is bright pink and purple. It is called Num Num Juice. Ooh. And we are drinking that together. Another one. Yeah. Well, I'll but, tell you more about this in a second. Okay. Um, I'm going to grab the show information this time. Yep. So we would love it if you guys could uh, reach out and uh, contact us here at the Pixel Guide In podcast. Uh, if you wish to do that, then I grab my piece of paper with the information <laughs> on it so I don't forget anything. Uh, come check us out at pixelguiden.com. You can catch us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. Eric can be found at at the project. That's D-U-H project. I am at oddball49. That's oddba one one four nine. That's right. Those are ones in place of L's because I'm creative like that. Cool guy style. And even though Tim's not on the podcast this particular episode, he usually uh, joins us. You can find Tim on Twitter at Sanction. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. We'd really love if you guys could review us on Apple Podcasts um, or any of the podcast uh, catchers that you might find us at. Uh, Your reviews, specifically the written ones and specifically on Apple Podcasts, help us get our show listed higher up the show rankings. We'd really appreciate that. Um, And we'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas, thoughts, feedback, gripes, uh, we want we want show information. We'll read it on the show. We love it. And you can email us at podcast at pixelguiden.com. Um, and we also have a Patreon account. Yes, we do. So if you wanted to support the show financially, you can hop over to patreon.com and uh, send us a few ducats to help keep the show running. Um, we have a number of uh, Patreon subscribers, and we'd like to list them every month. Yes. And to do that, we get creative, Eric. Yes, you do. You get creative. Well, I'm giving you all the credit. I'm throwing you under props. the bus. Okay. You give me credit, I'll throw you under the bus. <laughs> um, we like to do that in a fun way where I go online and use a random adjective generator, and then we announce your name in a very fun and interesting way. Um, I should put a caveat here for those who donate at the $3 more a month level. Yes, that's true. So without further ado, let me go ahead and announce... Our Patreon subscribers, the best way I know how. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one and all to Pixel Guidance, Circus of Patrons. For your entertainment, I present to you our clowns, the flagrant Tim Drew, the brash Jim Tessier, the mellow Henrik Lulfold, 
and the careless Gary Heather. Please keep your arms and legs within the walls, because here comes our lion tamers, the shiny Dustin Newell, the thorny Matthew Ackerman, I did say thorny, the antique Daniel James, and the jolly Josh Malone. If you'll point your attention to the skies, here comes our high-flying acrobats. The incandescent Eric Sandgren, the curious David Vincent, the altruistic 10-minute Amiga Retrocast, and the selective dated Moblack. Next is our three-man team of juggling and riding them unicycles. The whispering Roy Fielding, the conventional Mr. Toast, and the macabre Team Grey all the way. Although they live in completely different parts of the world, this next team has been a duo for quite some time. Our contortionists, the erratic Maciej Sosnowski, and the scholarly Paradroid. Now, please, lower your voices and prepare for the newest member of the Pixel Guide and Circus, who will now dive 27 feet into a thimble of water. He's amazing! It's the aromatic Ramo K. Thanks again to all our patrons. We're gonna take a little break right now. So go buy some Cracker Jacks. Thank you, thank you. Yes. I for appreciate not only it. being supportive of our show, yeah. but the warm feeling you get in your heart for knowing you paid for entertainment like you just heard exactly and hey if you want to screaming into a microphone yeah if you want to put us in your will that's okay too you know we're you can do that we're very open to suggestions yep. about how you can benefit us eric <laughs> <laughs> no we, we we just appreciate you guys listening yeah. please tell a friend uh we'd yep. love to get more and more listeners uh, involved um and create a nice little community here primarily on twitter but if you guys want to see us outside of that let us know where we can reach you yep um Bear or uh, beer. Bear. beer, beer. Yeah, let's beer. tell tell me about this one. So this is uh, another hazy IPA, Eric. Yes. Now, this yeah. is one I've chosen though. Okay. Um, you uh, may remember a while back, my buddy John joined us. He did. And John and I really enjoy. I, he's got me really into hazy IPAs. Okay. And I got him into sours. Yeah. So we both love finding these things now. We've been going to lots of microbrews that make hazies, and hazies get really expensive. They're really popular right now. Okay. Uh, this is one that is still fairly pricey. You get a four-pack of Tall Boys here for like 11 bucks. Yeah. Um, John's always bought it and brought it over because I can't find it at local places. Right. Rayleigh's just started carrying this. Oh, cool. And this is one of my favorite hazies, and right now one of my favorite beers, period, uh, for the price point. Let me read this, because I found it interesting. Okay. This hazy IPA is a tropical juice bomb <laughs> that shifts to an almost candy-like finish on both the nose and palate, while being served in a coconut with a little umbrella seems fitting. The can it's in will have to do. It's so now, now. Nom, nom. Nom, nom. I can't. Nom, nom. Man, I need to. It's so nom, nom. It's so nom, nom that it might leave you nom, <laughs> nom. So drink responsibly. Cheers. So, I really got to get some readers like an old man. So the, the what I love about Hazy's is they yeah. always give them to you in a 16-ounce beer. The tall boy. And they're usually between 7 and 12% alcohol by volume. Yeah. And so this, they kick your butt. Because I wanted to talk about that. That's one 7.5, right? Yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is pretty average. Yeah. 
this is one of my favorites. I absolutely love it. Uh, it is super interesting, complex, sweet, delicious, and it's very num 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 juice from Fall River Brewing Company. Yes, it now, looks good. I'll open mine. But you go ahead and take a sip and tell the tell the listeners what your uh, so let's, first I'm going to look at it. It's hazy. Ooh. For a hazy IPA, that's not a surprise. Hold on, let me go ahead and give you a... Yes. The head is frothy. Also, yes. The smell is candy-like. That's money. Yep. Um, I like the color. It's kind of just a golden... It was like... <laughs> oh, Tim. Oh, Tim. Typical Tim. All right, now Eric's taking sippy poos. Yes. Of the num num juice. I do like it. Do you? Okay, good. Yeah. I want to make sure I wasn't crazy, but it's funny, even when I bought this today, the yeah. cashier and another guy walked over yeah. and noticed it, and they're like, dude, that stuff's the best. Yeah. So I felt good about my purchase. Cheers, Eric. Cheers. Even though you already took a sip. Oh, sorry. Oh! That was bad form. So uh, this one's pretty complex. I don't know if you need to think about it or if you have a rating right off the bat. Um,. But it's num num juice. All these hazies like to use crazy, like psychedelic terms for their. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, I guess because hazy is kind of seventies LSD tripping. Yeah, they really and they love to say that it's dank and blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, but we'll say out of seventy three, let's pick that number. I like that number. It's a good number. We yeah. make our own rating scales here on Pixel Guide. In out of seventy three uh, acid trips. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> Okay. What do you rate this bad boy? I like it because it doesn't have a very hoppy flavor to it at all. It's very smooth. Mm. Um, at a seventy-three, I'm gonna give it a sixty-three. Ooh, I'm going sixty-eight. Sixty-eight is like yeah. one of my favorite beers oh, right, no, right now. Yeah, it's it one of my favorite very, beers. Very good. It is very, very good. Yes, num num juice. Very good. Good. Good stuff. <sighs> Eric. Yeah. We have a whole lot of retro gaming to talk about. We do. There's a lot to talk about, so we should begin now. Let us begin. To do what? To catch up. Catching up with Eric and Cody. Ah, I'm still drinking beer. Sorry. That's okay. I haven't caught up to catching up. Let me uh, move those pages. Um, you can see how... There we go. Move that. Hey, Eric. Yeah. I finished playing Guacamelee 2. Awesome. That is item number one on my list. Uh, Guacamelee 1 was amazing. It was amazing. I love that game. I didn't finish it because I'm a wuss, but I did not. I didn't finish it, but I got really close. If I remember right, I'd have to go back and see. Yeah, you did. I remember that you got trapped in one room that took me the longest time to get through. I think that's it. Yep. And, we, and that was pretty close. I think it was like 80% or yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm really close. And I kind of did that as a, I guess, a mental victory. Like I got to that point and I knew that was a very difficult hump to get over. See, so if you beat that part and then you stopped, I'd give you credit because you beat the hardest part. <clears throat> but, but you I didn't. didn't get over the hump. So. I did not get over the hump. So. True. Loser. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm not being very supportive of no. my friend. Man, that is not nice. Oh. Uh, Guacamelee 2 was equally as good. I mentioned on the uh, last episode, mm-hmm. uh, 39, so two episodes ago, doing the, my, the math in my head is difficult, um, that it's just as good as the first one. Uh, however, you do a lot more gameplay as the chicken. 
He's a luchador that can turn into a chicken. Yeah. And uh, there's some parts that, that kind of annoy me just because there's so much like going back and forth between timelines and becoming a chicken and not a chicken and then doing different. It got a little bit more puzzly. Oh, okay. So I think I'd give the nod to the first one. But if the first one was a 94, this is a 92%. Yeah. Awesome game. Yeah, I loved Guacamelee 1. I thought it was it was fantastic. Eric, I have gone absolutely crazy when it comes to buying games on the Nintendo eShop. Yeah, I see that because I, I look at this, the panel that you have up, and I'm like, I don't have any of these games. Well, so every time they go on, I make a list, and I have literally like 100 games, and I'm like, if these ever get on Super Sale, which they all do, yeah, most of them do, I'm going to buy them. Okay. So I bought them. Yeah. Uh, this game I've been playing a bunch is called Drongen. Okay. In fact, I'm in the middle of playing it, so let me just load it up here really quick so you can see this. This is the coolest thing. It is a uh, a, a style of game I honestly haven't really gotten into. Okay. Um, oops, I don't want to do that. Um, but it is a dungeon crawler, but it's done in this really cool like uh, pen and paper. Yeah, like a black and white pen and paper deal. Yeah, exactly. So here here I am. I'm, a, I'm a, currently in a, a level 11 hero. I'm a human male. Yeah. And, I mean, just check out this. You kind of walk around and um, it's like parallax scrolling, very three D but flat, like a almost like a almost like a um, like the Paper Mario. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. But it's a dungeon crawler. Yeah, and I'm kind of learning how dungeon crawlers work because I really never played them and I've always wanted to. Yeah. Um, and I got I think it was a dollar twenty nine on the Switch sale, Jeez. and uh, I'm having a blast with this game. Um, so you have to check that out. Uh, I downloaded Rive, which is a game that I actually owned a physical copy of. I've never from heard of it. Play Asia. Yeah. For I, of course, I bought it for thirty bucks, and then immediately it was worth eighty, and I sold it because I'm not going to keep it. Yeah. So I bought it again because I feel like I should own it for a dollar forty nine. I bought Moto Rush GT, which is was like twenty nine cents for a cool motorcycle racing game. So what kind of game is Rive? Rive is. It's kind of like, uh, almost like on our last episode, we talked about Cavitas, where you're, it's uh, almost oh, okay. like a, yeah, yeah. but there's some gravity to it. Okay. And it's almost like a twin stick sh- shooter, but it's side-scrolling vehicular shooter with gravity. Gotcha. Okay. Um, this one I'm really excited to try. I haven't tried it. Super Rock Blasters. Um, I've been trying to find more games that are actually going to be very Amico, uh, in television, Amico-esque yes. when it comes out. And so this is up to four-player asteroids where you can, you basically fight over the same space and shooting asteroids and getting points together. Yep. Excited about that. Um, I've already had Hyper Sentinel. I'm sure you have that. I have it on PC. Yeah. Because yeah. I got, I, like got it, I got it as part of that um, that that uh, deal. Remember the huge um, racial oh, injustice yeah, yeah, yeah. deal? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's, Hyper Sentinel was in that one. It was. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk. This one was. I got this for nine cents. It's called Ding Ding Dong XL, <laughs> and all, <laughs> all hey, this hey, is hey. really cool. It looks almost like Geometry Wars, but there's literally just stuff crap flying back and forth from yeah. between the screen. Yeah, and you're a ball, and when you hit one button, you jump between the top to the bottom, yeah. bottom to the top. And you don't hit stuff. And I'm just how I gave my my daughters a controller, and I gave myself one, and we just tried to get high scores for nine nine cents. It was fun. Yeah. Now this one though. If you enjoy twin stick shooters, I do. This game was like a half a buck. I want to say it was forty nine cents or something on the sale. I don't know if it still is. Galaxy Champions TV. Even if it's not on sale right now, this game is amazing. You mm. have to you have to give this. Uh, 
whatever, I'm going to close that game because you have to check this game out. But it is like Smash TV on steroids. Yeah. I love twin stick shooters. Yeah. And it's so good. Um, kind of loaded up right here. All right. So you can see I'm in the first arena here. Yeah. And it is just like, it's Smash TV, but modern and crazy with insane amounts of like guys coming after you. These little robots give you power-ups, so if I get this thing, now I'm blowing away with a flamethrower. Um, I think full price this game is only forty nine ninety nine. Forty nine ninety nine. Forty nine ninety nine. Four ninety nine. Eric, four ninety nine. <laughs> I was gonna say, wow. <laughs> only forty nine ninety nine. I'm playing the game. My not working accurately. Check out this laser gun. This thing's insane. Whoa. <laughs> And then when you finish that particular room, this little robot comes out and you can buy stuff from him and upgrade things. Yeah. Love it. Um, highly recommend that game. Okay. Guys on Twitter have already reached out to him and he you know, said, thanks for telling me, telling everybody about my game. Uh, tried this game, High Noon Revolver. It was like 29 cents. It's like an arcade one screen game. Uh, wasn't great. I'm just kind of burning through games here. Gunman Clive. Have you ever played Gunman Clive? No. This is a collection of Gunman Clive 1 and 2. And they were both on the 3DS shop for a long time. Yeah. They still are. And uh, this goes on sale all the time for like a buck or two. Okay. Just some great little 2D platformers and this really kind of cool sepia tone. Um, I highly, Especially for that price, I, I highly yeah. recommend them. I can't say it. This one was interesting. Heavy Burger. Yeah. Have you heard of this? I haven't. Really? Mm-mm. Have you heard of anything? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't heard of it. Dude, I've been out of it. I've been working hard. This game is crazy. So Data East made this game, and it's a mashup of, like, all their games. <laughs> oh, crazy. So imagine it's a more or less, um, imagine a twin stick shooter, mm-hmm. but, like, when you drop into the first level, and it'll be burger time, and they'll be, like, uh, it'll be running around with, like, burger time characters attacking everybody, and you're trying, ultimately, it's, like, capture the flag. You're trying to beat your opponent to grab this bag of money that falls in the center of the arena okay, and grab it. And if you run to the right, it'll go to the next game to the right, which is cool because you physically zoom out to an arcade and see all the, the all of their arcade machines. Yeah. And then it'll zoom in on the next one. Um, and you go through their pool. I forget what the, their pool game is called. Uh, but you'll, so you're like dodging pool balls. Yeah. And then you'll go into um, Bad Dudes. Or something like oh, that, yeah. where these guys are attacking you with wands and like you know your stereotypical uh, you know the the redheaded um, vixen with the uh, the stilettos that's attacking you, kicking you, and punching you with chains and stuff. Right. And you just go through their games. It's a hilarious mashup, and it was on sale for dirt cheap. Um, I'm excited about Blood Will Be Spilled. Okay, this game got fairly high ratings. I got like eights out of tens. And I've been waiting for a game like this because I had never seen another game until this one. So I have high hopes. I have not tried it. It is essentially a copycat of SteamWorld Heist. Oh, wow. Which is that yeah. turn-based, um, side-scrolling, not side-scrolling, but side-on, ricochet strategy tactical game. Yeah. I love. Um, and then there's a number... I got also got a game called Finn. I got a game called Warlock of Firetop Mountain. Um, Tokitori was on sale for pennies. Anyways, I gotta jump on of, these sales. Tons of, of dirt cheap games that looked so cool. And what I love about these is I don't feel bad trying them. And if they catch me, I play them for hours. If they don't, whatever it was, twenty nine cents, fifty cents, or twenty nine cents, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I had a blast with all these games. So. That's awesome. I've noted some. I'm gonna probably 
download them and let you know on the next episode of Pixel Gaiden. Perfect. And if you do get any of the ones that I have, yeah. like I think Heavy Burger, we could play online, Ooh, which would be hilarious. That would be. That would be fun. That's really cool. I see uh, you got something in front of you there, Eric. Yeah, and I didn't want to necessarily take it out um, because I always worry that I'm going to bust the connector off. But Which is why you brought the entire Atari. I brought my Atari, Atari 800XL, which I did want to show you anyway because it is in, I love my Atari 800. It's in mint condition. It is gorgeous. And I got this on Goodwill of all places. Like It is in mint. I didn't really have to clean it up that much. The keyboard didn't work when I bought it. I think I got mine on Goodwill, actually. Yeah. But this is the the, the final revision of the FujiNet um, so- Fuji device. And uh, we've talked about it a little bit, but the FujiNet device is kind of a all, be-all, end-all of peripherals for the Atari. So it has a micro SD slot on the side, so you can use it just to load Atari images off of the local SD. Yep, there it is. But it's got a Wi-Fi chip in it, too, so it can load games over the Internet. So you can host your own server with ATR image files or, you know, the disk files and load them over the Internet, which is amazing. And I have five or six, like, different people's servers. And I can go look at their libraries and load their Atari disks. Cool. Um, It has Wi-Fi, so you can tell that into BBSs and load up terminal software. It has virtual printing, so you can actually go into a Atari program, like Atari Writer or whatever, and mm-hmm. print something, and it dumps a PDF onto the SD card, and you can just go print it on your regular printer. Cool. But, but in the fonts of Atari. That's cool. Um, it, it does and has so much, and they keep adding functionality to it. It is like the Swiss Army knife of Atari 8-bit peripherals, and it works. And it's on got any, a path pass through, so you it's can, a pass through, so you can so you still can use that port. So I plug my um, Lotharek uh, like um, S, uh, SIO to SD device to that. Yeah, and it will take take um, the the D1 slot and actually load programs off of that. So, but in theory, you, you don't need to because it's got an SD card too. You don't need to, but you can. So you can just daisy chain devices off the SIO bus on that device. Um, The Atari 800, by the way, is a computer. It is. (laughs) I don't want to alienate any listeners. We talk about so many things on the show that are essentially game-related. Yep. But this is very much a computer with hardware that essentially gets you to games. Yeah, so that's a little thing that plugs in the back, and I think it's slick because the buttons are on top, so it it hangs up over the side. Whoever Um, printed this... It is gorgeous. Yeah, it, it, that so you can buy three different models of this, and that one is the uh, 800XL model. It matches the case exactly. The color of the 3D printed case is dead yeah. on. But they have... Not only the yeah. beige part, but the, even the black on the back just... I guess it is just black. Yeah. But the, there's so little of it, it just looks right. Yeah. It, it's an amazing device. And uh, so with shipping, that was 70 bucks. So is this... For sale, or is this just because you were one of the testers? Well, I got in on the first batch because I was one of the testers, but the second batch is already like getting ready to become available. Like the, there's like a <sighs> there's like an interest, and you can like sign up for hey, I have interest in this, and then you'll get in on the second wave of the batch. How easy is this to use? Oh my god, it is dead drop dead easy. Really? Yeah, it is drop dead easy. All right, I want this exact one. Yeah, I want this case yep. with this unit. So they have one. I will say they have one that matches the old eight hundred, like the the Atari eight hundred, like the old school one. 
it matches the case coloring and plugs into the side. They have one that matches the XE models, so it's the gray color, too. Problem but, is my XEs are, like, off gray now. <laughs> yeah. But that's only the coloring and stuff. I mean, if you buy this one, it'll work on all of them. Yeah, It just yeah, won't yeah. match the case. Yeah. But um, I've been having a blast beta testing this, but it is, it really is, like, like you buy this, that's all you need for the Atari. Like, it has every little function in, built into it. So it's a total blast. That, well, I'm, I want to get in on that. I do have the SD or SIO SD device, which yeah, is that, you cool have the little... S drive, the S, S drive, that's S drive what I have, Max, yes. which I think is cool because it has a touchscreen, and I think that's neat. Now remember, this is still in development, so like it'll load ATR image files, the disk files, but it won't do XEX files yet. Gotcha. But he's yeah. working on that. So I mean, it's still in development, but. I will tell you that everything I've tested that they advertise works. And they're still working on stuff like you can load cassette files, you can load Atari images, all sorts of stuff. So I I think people should get in on this while they can. And I hope that there's a guy on Twitter called Moswald, at Moswald, Moswald. M-O-Z-Z-W-A-L-D. He is the one making these, and he has a pre-order site up where you can go say your interest in it and then you'll get an email when when the second batch goes up for sale so right. and then uh i'm gonna write that on my piece of paper of things to do yeah so anyway look into that fujinet you if you do hashtag fujinet and search for that on twitter you'll find a ton of of things on twitter about this including my text where i go into like the functions and testing out different things um it's pretty amazing i'd buy that for a dollar or 73 or whatever it is. And I don't even get paid. I don't even get paid by FujiNet Corporation. Fuji Corporation. Net Corp. Fuji, it does sound like a, a yeah, like yeah. competitor to Kodak. FujiNet Corp. I'm just a fan. I, I it, it actually breathed new life into the Atari for me. Because I was kind of like, you know, I put it in a bin and I don't really pull it all, all that much. But this device, like, I can jump on BBSs on Wi-Fi. Which I still have yet to do. Yep. I can, I can like, play all the games. And notice Particle is the one you're always on. Particle's BBS. I'm, I log in almost every day. All right. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to get one of my computers on there, and we'll talk about that shortly. Eric! Awesome. Yeah. Look what I have in my hands. What? Crazy. It's a Nevercade. Yeah, I told in in last month's episodes. Yeah, I said I would be very surprised if I don't have one of these by the time we record again. And sure enough, sure enough, look at you. Um, here's the Evercade, Eric. Yeah, give that a feel. Take a look at so that. the Evercade is a new handheld device that plays games uh, on custom cartridges that are games on physical cartridge again, which hasn't been seen in a very long time. I mean, the Switch, I guess, could say those are cartridges, but they're like little SD cards. Yeah. These are full-on cartridges. Now, I'm going to go ahead and call this a full-on review. It's time for a review! Yes! Yes! So we've talked about the Evercade a lot. In fact, in one of our previous recent episodes, we talked about all the upcoming consoles and gave them grades. Yeah. And we gave this very high grades, primarily because they did a great job marketing it. They came up with a great concept. They did it without a Kickstarter. And it's for sale everywhere, and people are buying them, and the people are getting it. Like they did a great job. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Well, well, while I love Kickstarters and I get excited about them, it's refreshing to find a company that just refreshing. makes makes a product and <sighs> just sells a product. 
you can go to a website right now and you can buy an Evercade. That makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. It, it does. I or mean, maybe that's just the num-num juice talking. I don't want to buy everything through Kickstarters. I think it's appropriate for some things. But for some things, I just want an old-fashioned. I I click on this, and I buy it, and a few days later, it shows up. In a good way. This is old school, and yep. I love it. Mm-hmm. It is a game in a cartridge in a box with a manual. Yeah. They all have manuals. And in the manuals have pictures and games. And guess what? This game, I'm holding in my hand. I'm just happened to ha- happened to be holding Atari Collection One. Uh, well, this one came with the system I bought, but any one of these games is 1995. Now I love those cases. Look at the size of that. It's almost like yeah, a Betamax. Check that out. Do you remember Betamax? You, you're probably too young for that. I, well, I had Betamax. Did you growing up? That's what I grew up on. Yeah, because Betamax were smaller than VHS tapes. Smaller, fatter, heavier. Yeah, um, but they were smaller. So yep. this reminds me of like a little beta. I love that. So. I mean, so many cool things. So I'm going to go ahead, and this is a review. Yeah. So let me go ahead and start with the pros. Yeah. Everything about the concept and the execution of the business model, huge thumbs up. Yeah. We've talked about that plenty, but I can't, I can't get over the fact they made a system. Um, it's a great size. It's mm-hmm. it's got a 16 by 9 screen. It plays old games on cartridges that are specific to this unit. They're new cartridges. Mm-hmm. They are available in brick and mortar. Well, not brick and mortar yet, I guess. But gotcha. they are online real real t- uh, re- retailers. You can get them on, you, I've seen them on Amazon. You can get them on uh, the, in the UK Fun Stock or whatever. But you can just get them on Amazon. Yeah, and I really want to see these get into stores. I think they should. But uh, cool, solid piece. I mean, I, I feel the plastic is decent. I'm not going to say it's amazing. It's definitely not cheap. I will say it looks cheap, but feeling it, it doesn't seem cheap at all. Nope. The D-pad works really well. The yeah. buttons are big and chunky and original. They uh, A, B, X, Y, like you should it would expect, but they're kind of these cool, um, clear, glossy, crystal-looking buttons with the lettering. Where it looks like it's down in the system. Looks cool. You got menu, you got start, you got select, and you've got bumpers, L and R. Yeah. Now, the bumpers. Yeah, they, they click. You can hear them? Yeah. These do feel a little chintzy. Yeah. So my one, as far as build quality, that's the only thing that really kind of bugs me. Now, have you played anything that required the bumpers? I have not played one that required the bumpers yet, to be right. honest. And I love that the cartridges, when they seat, they're it's flush with the system. It doesn't oh, stick out. It looks super cool, which is one reason they had a special edition where they had like a black one of these. It looked really cool. Yeah. But the cartridges are going to be white. And to me, when I put the cartridge in here and it kind of becomes one rounded system, I don't want a big white part sticking right. out of a black console. So that's why I got the white one. Um, now, so far, everything is great. Uh, again, the packaging on the games is mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, like, packaging cool. a game alone makes me want to buy more games. Yes. Because they're chunky. They're solid. Um, I noticed that the spine has a number on them, too. So you can know uh, that. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a second. <laughs> the cartridges in here are... They have a label on it so that you can see what the game is. They get you excited. And they, each one of these has like a 20-page um, yeah, about a twenty page booklet that shows you pictures of the games, the gameplay, the controls. What? But, I mean, that, even that alone right there is something you don't see anymore. Nope. Um, I love it. And it's all custom. It's not a DVD case. No. It's it, a custom case. I love that size. Now... I do find myself accidentally hitting L and R all the time. Okay. So if a game does use those, I'm, I feel like I'm going to hit them on accident all the time. Okay. A um, couple things that do bug me about it. <clears throat> First of all, 
And this is known. Eric, try to get the game out of that Evercade. Yeah, let me try that. Go ahead and remove that game so you can put it, this new game in. This Atari game. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a tight fit. So you already know, knew the strategy because they actually released a guide saying, here's how do you remove a game from the Evercade. Yeah, and like getting it in is just as difficult to do. Yeah, it's like they made the plastic on both sides just slightly too big, so you really have to force it in there. Yeah. And they basically said, flip it over, use both your thumbs and your hand, and push downward in this aggressive motion to get it out. Yeah. And apparently after a few tries, it'll get easier. In fact, it already is easier than it was. Yeah. But still, that shouldn't be a thing. Um, but mine, there's two speakers on the front. Yes. Uh, you do have a headphone jack. The headphones sound great. The two speakers that come with it sound like crap, so that's a negative. So you can use headphones, though, if you need to. You can use headphones, and the, but the issue that bothers me more than anything is if you don't put in headphones, mine, the speaker on the left, puts out like 70% of the sound, and the one on the right, you can barely hear. I have to put my ear to it to see if it's even working. Oh, wow. So it doesn't feel like, I don't know why the sound would come out yeah. unequally. Unless the game, I wonder if the game that you're playing... They all do it. They all do it, even on the 16-bit titles, because yeah. the 8-bit titles were legendarily mono. Yeah, no, they all do it. Okay. Um, the other thing that's kind of funny is, so when you turn it on, yeah, I turn it on, you kind of wait, there's a, it says Blaze Entertainment, who I guess is the company who makes Evercade. Yeah. And then you get a second loading screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool. It yeah, almost, yeah. It almost reminds me of like a Dreamcast startup screen. Yeah. But it doesn't turn right on like a cartridge system typically would. It's almost like it's, it's booting an OS. It's or booting in an the OS. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So you can hear the game when you switch between the games. On each cart has multiple games. Yeah. Kind of cool that when you remove the cart while it's on. Yeah. It just says please insert cartridge, and as soon as I put the cart back in, it identifies it within about a second. It just says hey. And pops back up. Yeah. Um. When you plug in, if I were to have this on, I plug in HDMI. It'll completely restart. Oh, really? To to get to HDMI, and when I unplug it, it'll completely restart to get back to handheld. And that has micro HDMI. It has the the mini. Mi- medium one. Mini, okay. Mini, yeah, yeah. which is another issue. It doesn't come with that cable. I had to find that cable last time for my Neo Geo Mini. Yeah, yeah. And so luckily, I had it to try out on this. And you tried it? I did try it. How was it? It worked pretty well. Okay. It worked pretty well. Yeah. Um, slight lag, but not terrible. Not terrible. Okay. Very very playable. I figured there wouldn't be too much lag because that is the controller, right? You don't pair a controller to it. Correct. This is the controller. Yeah. Which leads me to wonder how it, you could play two players on this, which I don't think you can. I don't think you can. So yeah. that's, 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 that's an issue. Yeah. That's going to be an issue for me. Um, the main issue for me is, is, well, first of all, I already did a firmware upgrade. They've already had two firmware upgrades released. The first one released, or I thought would fix my problem, but it doesn't. And the main thing it allowed you to do is within the game, you could open a menu screen mm-hmm. and change the um, the button configuration. Oh, cool. Like button mapping? Yep. But okay. they only they don't allow you to map it yourself. They give you like three options oh. and none of them feel right. Yeah. So what... You can't map them how you want. Correct. So what I would want this device to do mm-hmm. is I'm paying for games on cartridge that already exist. So what... Does this what would make this device feel like not an, a, any old emulation system? A for me, it would just start right up because it's cartridges. It doesn't do that. It loads up like an emulation device. Yeah. And then when I play the games, they should already be mapped for this system because this is the system that they can only be played on. 
and they're not. They're like sometimes there's games on here where the bottom button is shoot and the top button is jump, like not even next to each other, like far apart. Yeah. And it, I can't play games like that. And then I check the button mapping and it'll change it to like, okay, now it's going to be X and Y like this. I'm like, that doesn't work. Yeah, it's still not good. And that, that simple thing is killing most of these games for me, oh, unfortunately. Wow. Yeah. Um, I really want to love this thing. I love the packaging. I love the concept. I love the physical nature of it. Um, a lot of things work well. Um, I think it's specifically that. And, I mean, if they fix the fact that you have to shove a cartridge in it to make it work, yeah, I would give it a few more points. If you fixed um, the fact that uh, the sound on the on mine is off, which just kind of bugs me, I would give it a few more points. But the big one to me is that button mapping. Yeah. So because of the way this thing ra- and lands right now, I'm going to give it a B-. minus. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and most of the games that are available right now are just uh, ports. Ports. Yeah, which I, I really want new song, new games, and and they do have some coming out um, that are that are newer games, which are could yeah. be really cool. Cool. But I did find myself playing a ton of uh, I've never even played. I think it's called Aquarius on Atari. Oh yeah, I love that game. I was having a blast with it. Um, I don't have regrets. This thing's only eighty dollars with the yeah. Atari pack, or a hundred dollars with the three pack. Let so. me sh- let me uh, show you something related to that. Got an Evercade. You're sitting there watching, pretending this whole freaking time like I'm not. Look at you, and you bought like every game. I have just about everyone you can get here, except for the the twos. <laughs> except for like the the. You know. Yeah, no, Eric went crazy. I went crazy. Whatever, whatever. Eric got an Evercade. <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo, yo. <laughs> Shout I got out. the Pico Interactive Collection number one. DJ Stormfront, coming at you. Mega Cat Studio. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I, so that I think I remember the conversation I was having with Tim, where I was like, "Well, this client still hasn't paid me, and there's I have one particular client that pays me on PayPal." Okay. They just, uh, they just like to do it that way. Okay. So I was like, "I'm waiting, I'm waiting." And I was like, "Yeah, I might pick up an Evercade as soon as I." get paid by this client and he paid me just like a week ago so okay. i was like boom so i dropped dropped the bomb on it i haven't had a lot of time to play so let me see you've got yep exactly what i got the only thing you got is the technos collection that's the only one i don't have yeah um and, so my issue uh, sorry i'll let you talk in just that my issue you, you brought it up mm-hmm. there's numbers on the side yeah which makes me as a collector of things go i need to have every number and the problem is, is that what I found, because I'm like you, I'm like, because this system is new, I was like, why don't I get off the ground, like trying to collect everything for it? Because the, the cartridges are cheap. But I was like, a lot of these are only available in the UK. You can't get them on Amazon here locally. So you... And I even checked funstock.co.uk in the UK, which will ship here. Yeah. And they're out of a number of them. Yeah. So it's going to be... Difficulty, even yeah, that shouldn't be it on launch. You should be I able think, to just get whatever you want. Because I think you have everything available here. Yes, that's right. The Technos is the only one I didn't get. Yep. So I have six for the people out there. I have six cartridges. I have the uh, Data East Technos Atari Collection One Mega Mega Cat Collection Interplay and Pico Interactive. Now they do have Atari Collection Two, which is out. Yeah, that's one you could get. They do also have the Interplay Two. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. So you could get that, and uh, 
So, but the truth is, like, I'm not going to play Atari Collection 1 or 2. I got it because it came in a three-pack. That's right. And I got the th- three-pack. You can see that with the box. Yeah. So I got the three-pack, and I got um, that. Now, I do have a thing coming up here that I wanted to talk about later on, but I'll just bring it up now. Remember I was telling you on Twitter that I beat Super Double Dragon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that on the Overcake. Oh, okay. So I, I did it as my test game. And like I just played it for like an hour and a half, and I I got all the way through Super Double. I love the controls; everything worked great. So now that I know you were stringing me along the entire time, you That's haven't right. run into the control issue I had. Not yet, but I haven't. Like I said, I've only had it a week, so I haven't run into I that yet. I've only played a couple hours of it, but yeah, I play. I just tried a little bit of like every game. Okay, and I had to keep on figuring out. Okay, on this game, where are the buttons? Yep. Okay, on this game, where are the buttons? now I get it. Um, for some reason, this the Evercade. They don't advertise or they don't even mention the fact that these are ports of a Genesis game. Not even a port. It is a Genesis ROM. Right. Or a Super Nintendo ROM yep. or an NES ROM. They yeah. don't say that. They just say, here's this game from this uh, developer. Yeah. So I get it that some of these games are three-button Genesis games and that yep. the pad doesn't match. Yep. But find a way to make it... I mean, I don't. maybe it's, I'm just being nitpicky, but I don't think so. I mean, I'm used to when I push the bottom of my thumb, that's jump. Mm-hmm. And the tip of my thumb rolls to shoot. Yeah. So every game that has those mechanisms, that should be how it is. That's how they all are. Yeah, and I haven't... So when I heard... Because I did my firmware upgrade, and I heard that button map, a remapping was possible, but I didn't test that yet. Now you're telling me it's only profile-based, like you There's can get like this, setup, this setup, this setup. That sucks. I wanted to be able to go... It, I wanted it to be say, hey, which button do you want to fire? Which button do you want to jump? That's what I thought it was. That'd be super simple, you would think, but yeah. yeah. Oh, well, well, that sucks. I hope that they change that, because that would be super handy. And the other thing to keep in mind, and they're fixing it, mm-hmm. so kudos to them, but if you read the firmware updates, like the first update was like, all right, in this game, there was a bug that freezed every time you got to this level, mm-hmm. and we fixed it now. I've heard that. And yeah. it's like, that. I guess that's something that we just have to get used to, because physical media wasn't that way in the past. No. If it's physical, it's been tested. But this is emulation. This is always going to be emulation. So Correct. Yeah, yeah. But it's physical media. So in my mind, it's like, no, you put the card in everything works. That's how it, that's how it is. Yeah. I think so. that's asking a little too much from it. I have not tried the HDMI, which I was genuinely interested in because I do have the cable. I just haven't tried it yet. It's much better than uh, like the Neo. I'll keep bringing up the Neo Geo yeah. Mini, which you plug in the HDMI thing, it's chug and barely work. Now, the sound thing, I've only played mine with headphones. Just because I was at home. I'd be very I, curious. When we're done, we won't do it live, but I want to hear what it sounds like. I didn't bring it, actually. I just have the box. Oh, you son I, of a I gun. I left it at home. So. <laughs> son of a gun! Which I hit wah, here. Wah, wah, wah. Fail! Do the Price is Right one. I love oh, that okay. one. Oh. There we go. Oh. So, I didn't bring oh, wait, it, I but... can do, or I can do sad music, Eric. Yeah. Eric, you didn't bring your Evercade. Yeah, that's true. You know how sad that makes me feel. I just brought empty boxes, other than the cartridges are in there. Um, Uh-oh, you're still grabbing for stuff. So, uh, two things. No, 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 I'm not. I'm just making sure I didn't bring it. I thought maybe I did bring it. Um, two things, two observations I have. So, my take. Eric's take! Um, oh, That's a segment. Two things. I, I really need them to get better games. Because I did go through all of these cartridges, even the modern ones like Mega Cat, and I want better games. Like, <laughs> I didn't... I 
I was really excited about Mega Cat, and I did play through them. And you're right, they're not great. They're not great. I was disappointed. Yeah, I was like, modern games. Yes, this is going to be cool. Now, yeah. That being said, Pico. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Mega Cat. It is Mega Cat. Has one game on here that I adore. Um, I'm going to write Tan- that down. Is Tanzer. Okay, I'm going to try that. Now it does have the issue where the buttons are backwards. Okay. But hopefully the remapping will fix that. Yeah. But it's this kind of strider feeling crazy action game with a big old attack. Uh Tanzer is really good. And then Old Towers is on here and I've played that and I love that game on Genesis and on the Spectrum. I'm gonna have to try it. So that one, um it's puzzly, so you might not dig it, but Okay. Um but their big game on here and you can see it takes up three times the space of the other ones is Coffee Crisis. Yeah. Which is like a brawler. And it just wasn't fun. No, I play. I that's the first game I loaded. I was the most excited to play, and I was like, "Yeah, it's not that great." Yeah, I played. I played uh, Creepy Brawlers. Yeah, which is like a um, punch out. Yeah, and it was kind of funny, but it didn't control nearly as well. And then Log Jammers. I don't know if you tried to play that. I tried, but I didn't understand it, so I just quickly moved on. So try that one again. Okay. It's still not great. Yeah, but it's Log Jammers instead of Wind Jammers. Okay. Yeah, the that's whole, what I thought it was. The yeah. whole concept is it's yeah, Windjammers, which is a cool game. I yeah. still think it's fun to have this. I'm glad I own it. Yeah, me too. But Tanzer is probably the only fun, fun game. Yeah. And Old Towers, in my opinion. Um, now, my next thing that I'm going to say isn't a complaint, because it was never really offered as a function on the system, but I think it's a lost opportunity. Why didn't they support Tate mode on here? Like, it has a great screen that's rectangle. Oh, yeah, like side, like change the button somehow. So you could just rotate it, and if you put a little button underneath the directional pad, one or two buttons, you could have had, like, <laughs> an awesome Tate mode on a, on a machine. No, I gotcha. I gotcha. I mean, don't you think it's a lost opportunity? I mean, the the look at the size of the screen. It's perfect. It is, but I uh, they were able to hit a price point that makes this a must-buy, in my opinion. Yeah. And at this point, now that I've played it... Mm-hmm. I'm, again, I'm giving it a B minus right now as it is. Yeah. I think with a firmware update that fixes the control so that every game just works. Yeah. That gives it back to like 88%. Yeah. A couple other niggling things that can be fixed. I think that can easily... I mean, it's at that price point, it's a must-buy at 88%. Yeah. Um, and when they release more, more and more original games or games that are new and unique, I'm going to pick up the Lynx collections. Yeah. I'm going to pick up that... I'm going to um, get that too. That Zeno Crisis slash Tinglewood cart. That's the one I want. Definitely going to get that. Yeah. So. No, I'm I'm very pro Evercade. I've been having fun with it. Uh, like I said, I beat Super Double Dragon because I came across that game on there, and I was like, you know, I never played this one. I've played other Double Dragons, but I never played the suit. The I haven't played version. it. Maybe I'll do that. I have to get Technus cart though. And uh, I played it, and I loved it. I kept playing it, and the cool thing is, I tested the save states, and they work perfectly. Is so, it, but they only have one save state per game, right? No, there's multiple slots. Oh, okay. I think that might have been the upgrade thing. You can hit up and down. A lot of people down. were complaining I about think, that first. I think you can hit up and down, and there's multiple s- slots for a game. Did you play it after you did the upgrade? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah. that I think they changed that because that was a complaint. Okay. No, it, the save states worked perfectly. You just load the game and then go to your hit the menu button and you load whatever slate. I just have to decide if I'm going to collect to collect. Or if yeah. I'm just going to buy the games and accept that there's missing numbers. See, I'm going to try to collect if ah, I can see, get them. It kills me. I'm trying to get away from physical. Like, you you have influenced me, Eric, yeah. as an influencer. Get as away a from huge, physical. Get, get away, away from, from physical. physical for the systems that have thousands of games or hundreds of games. But the Evercade, 
let's be honest. We're supporting them. and How many cartridges are they going to release on Evercade? Total. Like, they'll probably be around relevant for maybe two more years. Maybe. Hop, hopefully. At least. That'd and be great. And so, let's say, optimistically, they have 100 carts. That's not impossible to collect. So if we get in on that early, we got a full collection. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, I, this thing's not going to go, go it, forever. It, I mean, I, if it, if they were thirty or forty bucks a game, my decision would be made. I'd be like, no, I don't need a car- Atari collection too. That's right. But they're twenty bucks. Yep, twenty bucks. And one day, so I I just like even if I'm just putting it on the shelf to yeah. complete the numbering for twenty bucks. Yeah. Uh, so one it day, still makes no sense. It's such day, a first world. Yeah, problem. For, for some reason, let's say one day on the podcast we say, well, we're going to play Yars Revenge. That's not on Atari Collection 1. That's on Atari Collection 2. It's on my Atari. I have it. Yeah, but you could play it on your ever. <laughs> you could play it on your Evercade. That's Portable. emulation, Eric. I don't do that. Oh, you could. <laughs> you could. Let's move on to another topic, shall yeah, we? Let's do it. Very cool. I'm I'm stoked that it exists. I'm excited to Are see it. Are you stoked it. that I have it? I, I actually might even buy the, buy the the Dizzy Collection because there's games on their puzzle sure. games. Yeah, yeah. And the BMX Simulator, which I'll get to you later. Yeah. Um, Pretty excited, though, that I got it. I am very excited. The Evercade Brothers. The Evercade Brothers, what? Yeah. We just need to... Well, next, next time we talk to Tim, he'll have one. We'll just find out. Exactly. the grapevine. Cool. I like how you just wrote on the notes, reveal new device. Yeah, because I didn't want to blow the... I wanted it to be a surprise. It was a surprise. You yeah. just pulled that thing out of your backside like it was <laughs> nothing. Um, I just want to point out, we did an awesome episode because we're so good. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we did a special episode for y'all, which we really did for ourselves because it was so fun, called the Craptastic 4K Judging Episode, where we played... 37 games from the Reset 64 Commodore 64 programming competition. Yes. Uh, where they made a bunch of games and provided them for free. We got to play them and judge them for their free games they gave us. Um, and it was a blast. It was fun. So please listen to that. It came out between episodes 39 and 40. Uh, no, 38 and 39. 38 and 39, yeah. Uh, my question this is more of a question than it is catching up. Eric and Tim. Yes. Tim? It was like, there you are. (laughs) There he is. That's Tim. Tim's on my soundboard today. Should we, I I, I had fun doing that. Yeah. So right now there is an MSX dev competition going on. Yeah. Should we do a similar thing with the MSX? I guess it depends on when it is over. Do you know? So I just happen (laughs) to have it up. Eric. The magic of podcasting. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, the MSX Dev 20 rules yes. state that <clears throat> the deadline for entries was July 30th. Actually, it's all European and stuff, so 30th July 2020. <laughs> um, then there's jury deliberation between the 1st of August to the 31st of August, and then final results are made public on the 7th. So, we can just ignore all that mm-hmm. and check them out anyways, and then next month do a show on it for the september for yeah. september yeah i'm okay with that i think there's also an amstrad competition they would i mean there's a number of things which you don't have an amstrad yet but you do have the uh mister mister which should I, should play everything i had such a fun time playing through all these random games and kind yeah, of like, and we do love the msx i love the msx yeah so I, i'm cool with it cool we'll have to call tim and see what he's about it was like <laughs> thank you tim i'll take that as a yes um Eric, you made a local purchase, whether you knew it or not. You yes, I did. It, but... I did know. Um, Brewing Academy purchase. I had a little glitch with my Atari 800XL where 
for the last few months, whenever I turned it on, it would have shadowing on the characters. So there would be this long shadow that would go to the to the right on the screen, and uh, it like was a, weird, like a smearing, like a smearing almost. It was very weird. So I bought a video cable, thinking my video cable was bad, and it still did it with the video cable, which is fine. I, I needed a new cable anyway. But then I got to thinking that a lot of the problems I have sometimes with my Commodore 64 is because of the video cables. So I went and bought a new, that's it right there, a new um, replacement power supply, which from the Brewing Academy, it's 15 bucks, pretty cheap. I didn't know that you could just take a phone charger, super simple, five volt, and you just put an Atari end on it with the right pins and it's that's it. So. We'll get to this a little later, but I've been yeah. doing a whole bunch of stuff on Atari's the last couple, yeah. three months because of that big lot I picked up, which is yep. almost all Atari. Yeah. And yeah, it's got this uh, seven pin connector, I think it is. Yep. And basically the three right pins and the three left pins are all just positive and negative. They're yeah. all just tied together. Yeah. It's the most simple, stupid thing with the most complicated looking connector. And the the Atari PSUs are legendarily... Like if they go, if they blow, they will blow a bunch of chips out in they your Atari. They will take out your Atari. So you do not want to mess around with a bad uh, PSU. So the cool thing is, I bought that from him, and I was on the edge. It's about, only fifteen bucks, so it's not like you can regret it. I mean, he even sells a cable that will just plug into your own phone charger. Like he sells just the cable for eleven bucks, I think. Yeah, for but for more four more dollars, in my opinion, four more dollars. Just get the right one. I get one. the whole thing pre-built with the sticker on it. Yep. That I throw into my I keep my little tubs. Yep. So I grab my Atari 800 tub. It's in there. I know what to plug in. Yep. So I did buy one, and guess what? It fixed the problem. So I'm back in the good graces of my 800 XL. Simple. And then I was on the fence because I didn't want to buy just that. I was going to get the side two cartridge. Have you ever seen that? Basically, a cartridge that goes in the, there. It is. So I saw it on here, and I I know it's like a hard drive type of thing. You're gonna have to explain it to me because I didn't comprehend exactly, it. Exactly. That's exactly what a CF card goes in the top, and you can partition it like a hard drive, and you can just put your ATR or XEX files on the hard drive, and when you load stuff, it's like that. Like it just it, it's very very fast. Like so if a hard you go drive. if you go to thebrewingacademy.com, yep, he's got like five different ways mm-hmm. to load programs and stuff into your Ataris. That's right. And I never know. I, I own the S Drive Max because it kind of does everything mm-hmm. to a point. It does. Uh, to a point. Um, but there's like file types that cannot load. Yep. Which is leading me to to actually look at thinking about getting the ultimate Atari cartridge, mm-hmm. which can load like every file type. Yep. But it's twice the price. But then now you're telling me there's this hard drive thing, which is like right in the middle price wise, and it does stuff instant. Like there's so many ways I don't know. So you and I have talked about this. Yeah, we're gonna drive down there. He lives 25 yeah. minutes from us. Yep. And and he already offered to like open up the shop <laughs> and show us everything. Yeah. Maybe we can get a scoop for the show. And I might bring 70 bucks in my back pocket and see if he'll sell me one of these because I talked myself out of it because. Like you just said, I have ways to load Atari stuff, and I don't need another way to load it. I can load everything I need, but instant loading, and when you have the ultimate one megabyte upgrade, it adds features that enhance the side two. Do you already have that? I do. Oh, oh I don't yeah. have that. So in right here, in this 800XL, I have the one megabyte, the ultimate one megabyte. I've done that a long time ago. <sighs> uh I soldered that one in a long time ago. That one is worth the wait. We'll, why, we'll talk off the show about all this. Yeah, the, 
there's so much functionality in that, not just because of the memory upgrade, but because you can load additional kernel ROMs, you can do different operating systems, you can do loaders and stuff like that. It it makes it your Atari like so flexible. It does a ton of stuff. And then when you add the side two, it 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 they almost they almost have the synergy to them. Like you want to get both of them together. Hmm. So anyway. Or just get the un- the incognito board, which apparently does like everything. Yeah, I don't know. I, see, I, there's so many things on here. Anyways, yeah. we're gonna have to go talk to him directly. I'm, I'm just gonna go in person, let him show it all. Yep, it's gonna be a blast. Yeah, um, yeah. You can see he's selling pokey chip poles, which is like the heart and blood of the Ataris. Yeah, a pokey chip goes for like sixty five bucks. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that again in a second when I talk about some of my endeavors coming up here. Sorry, that's my that was my uh, fun with Brewing Academy. Well, guess what? The next thing on the item is uh, list here is exactly what I just brought up. Yeah. So I got uh, to really dig in um, and start. I'm like, you know what? Now's the time. I've got a kind of clearish schedule. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of set up my garage with a big old table and said, I'm going to go ahead and dig through all those Ataris and Commodores I got in that lot like three months ago. Yeah. And really just dig into them and start fixing them. Yeah. Um, so long story short... I went ahead and I got two sixty C sixty fours up and running. Okay, they're working great. Tested, awesome. tested, and, yeah. and, and rolling. Yep. Um, I got, I had one working Atari eight hundred, and I had two non working. And without getting into too many details, I got both the non working ones working one hundred percent and great. Actually, I already have a new listener to the show, who went ahead and bought one through me. Oh yeah. And nice. then he started listening on, to the show, which is kind of a cool. Yeah, thing. yeah. Just sent that out today. Um. And then I also got the two Atari 130XEs. Yeah. Do you remember the condition those were in? Yeah, I do. They were parts. Yeah. And they were dirt yellow, covered in dust, missing keys. Yep. And there's one of them right there, Eric. Do you see that bad boy? Um, I did a number of things. So, first of all, I put everything together. They both didn't work. Uh, it took a lot of learning and pulling up Sam's computer, what is it called, Sam's computer guides or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I had physical ones in that lot, physical Sam's computer guides for the 130XE. And uh, that, looks, I had to, that looks really nice. I had to buy new Mylars Yeah. from Best Electronics. Yeah. Um, and I moved chips around and swapped things. I replaced a piece of RAM, and I got one working in not too much effort. So I'm like, cool, I got a perfectly good working one. And after I got that Mylar put in there, it's like the button, everything, it's great. It's good to go. So then I tried to get the other one working. I'm checking things out. I couldn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I found out there's a chip in there that is not in any Ataris before it. And it's called the Freddy chip. Okay. And the Freddy chip basically allows some of the other chips to do things they normally wouldn't. It kind of partitions them, if you will. Okay. Um and it's specific to the 130XE or the 165X or the what's it, 65XE and on. Anyways, um, I swapped that chip with the other one, and this one lit up. Oh, wow. So they're both fixed. However, I need another Freddy chip, which I don't have. Um, have you looked online? Well, I'll get to that in just a second. I'll try to be quick here. The 800s I had. Yeah. Um, I there's one of the guy I got these from. He loved to mod stuff. It was a repair center, but he modded his own stuff. So he had all kinds of cards and stuff in there with switches that he like soldered wires between different circuit boards and just I don't know what he was doing. He probably knew what he was doing, but now it didn't work. And because I didn't know what these mods he was doing were, I just reversed everything. 
Okay. So I'm taking pins that were lifted and soldered to other things. And I'm desoldering them and shoving them back in the holes with like pliers and stuff, and then resoldering and testing everything out. Yeah. And um, I was able to get the second one working fairly quickly. The third one, I don't know how to use my oscilloscope yet. Yeah. And Josh Malone offered, uh, he's a Patreon yeah, a yeah. subscriber. He offered to Zoom with me if I could find the right time. I just couldn't make it work uh, to show me how to use my oscilloscope. Oh, that's nice. That's but cool of him. I used Sam's computer guide. Yeah. And I narrowed it down to what I thought it was. And so sure enough, um, I'm like, I'm just going to order a, the oscillating crystal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to order this thing. Because I'm pretty sure that's what it is, and there's two transistors, and it shouldn't have been too expensive, right? It was a buck fifty. Yeah, those crystals are pretty cheap. Yeah. Um, so where did I get all this Atari stuff? Mm-hmm. Long story short, when I got this pile of crap, yeah, it was awesome stuff, not crap, but you know what I mean. Pile of stuff. I actually was digging through all the paperwork, and they were from back then. I have pages and pages. Uh, actually, I think that's one right there of catalog pages that were like photocopied from best electronics yeah yeah out of san jose california and that was back when and that was 1984 (laughs) and this guy is still in business yeah and he is grumpier than ever eric yeah he is a (laughs) he is a grumpy guy but he he knows his stuff and he's got a big inventory we've mentioned on the show he owns like all this stuff from atari's warehouses when they shut down he's got tons of stuff he's got and it's hilarious because his website looks like it's straight out of 1991. Yeah. Like it's just text with hyperlinks. It's like a Homer Simpson website. And he refuses to do anything modern. Yeah. Um, so you cannot pay him over the internet. You have to call and give your credit card over the phone. Uh, I have so many stories about this guy. I'm not going to mention him on the show. Uh, he's very direct. Yeah. I don't know if he's necessarily grumpy. He's very direct. Yeah. Today I tried to order that Freddy chip from him. Yeah. And I told him, yeah, I just placed an order a week ago. And this was after I spent 10 minutes on the phone putting an order together. Yeah. And he just said, oh, well, then I can't sell you anything. Awkward silence. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, well, our accounting department, first of all, it's just him. Yeah. Our accounting department takes two and a half weeks to vet new new customers. I'm like, I just placed the order. He's like, yeah, we won't see that for two and a half weeks. So bye. And he hangs up. I can't place an order with the guy, but to be fair, yeah, he's got new OEM parts. He's got them. He shipped them. He last the order he did get me. He shipped very next day. It was here. Yeah, uh, I am in California, so I'm only like two hours away by car. But, um, anyways, very unique situation. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, I've only bought stuff from him on eBay because he does have he does he does post stuff my on Atari. EBay. Is, yeah, is and, and I've bought serial cables from him and a couple other little things, but I just do eBay. That way it's easy. I pay PayPal yep. and I just get my stuff. My Jaguar stuff I got from him. Yeah. Um. Anyways, I got the crystal. Yeah. It didn't work. Oh. The issue I was having is I got everything running. I swapped things around and I finally, everything was coming up black and white. And so I changed a little, um, there's a little pot in the back yeah. to adjust the color and it wasn't doing anything. So I replaced that crystal, wasn't doing anything. Next to the crystal, there's these two transistors, and they're specific. They're pretty, pretty, and they're not specific, but they're pretty specific to Atari products. Yeah. So I found in my lot of stuff a bunch of random other Atari boards. I'm pretty sure one was from a 5200. There's another that was from an 850 communicator. And I looked on those boards, and they had that transistor. So I desoldered those, and I put those in there. Same issue. So I'm like, what's going on? And then I'm like, wait a minute. I did all that, but I didn't check that pot in the back again after I did the replacements. Yeah. Checked the pot. Perfect. Got it working. Wow. So I got three working Atari 800s, 
Or 130s. <clears throat> so we said no. These are these are the 800s. The other Okay. And I sold it. Um, I already did a, an 800 XL. I already sold that. Yeah. Uh, and now I've got two 130s that are both. Well, once I get that Freddy chip, because I already know it works because I have the other one. Yeah. Freddy chip in there. Uh, one of my Atari 800s is missing one key. Yeah, you guess, asked me if I had any spares, and I wish I did. I oh, this is my only one. Well, guess who has it? Who? Best Electronics. Um, He's no. like. Oh no, it's fine. I talked to the guy. I'm like, I need number eight key. He's like, Well, which one? I'm like number eight. He's like, Yeah, but there's like three different keyboards. I'm like, so will you not sell it to me? What is it? He's like, Just tell me what color the cap is underneath. Okay, let me look. It's white. It's high tech. Here it is. All okay. right, five dollars. I got it. At least he knows what he's. Yeah, he got. knows exactly what he's doing. It's five bucks. I mean, yeah. it's a key. He's making money, but five bucks. Yeah. Anyways. All kinds of crazy stuff going on there. And then the last thing I want to mention about that process, you said that that 130XE looks good? Yeah. I literally, because I saw Ben Jen Edwards do it. Yeah. He just like nonchalantly said, all right, I'm going to leave this one in the sun for a day. Yeah. And he's like, cool, look how much better it looks. So I just left that in the sun for a day, and now look at it. That was like yellow. Actually, if you lift that up, can you lift the Atari 130XE? Yep. Let me see if my headphones yeah, I'll go ahead and talk so you can go ahead and check that out. Now, look at the side view from the uh, other well, other side. See the bottom versus the top? Yeah. Yeah, I did this part. Yep. yep. So the first day, I just did the keys and the top in the sun. And the second day, I did the whole machine. So one day created that difference that you saw. And the second day, the whole machine got more gray. I just left it in the sun. I didn't do hydrogen peroxide. I didn't wrap it. I didn't... Yeah, maybe... Uh, it worked out pretty well. I need to put my Amiga... Like, my Amiga keys on my keyboard. Like, they're just... They're those. That's the only thing in my whole collection that bugs me, is that my Amiga keys are yellow. Like, if I could just put yeah, those Yeah, none of mine side. are terrible. I have. I guess, yeah. I guess that 1200's got a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe I'll try that. It was... I mean, as easy as putting outside in the morning, waiting until night, and putting back in. I'd say they uh, took out 50% of the yellowing each day I did it. I'm going to try it before it gets starts raining. <laughs> I talk too much. Um, last thing I'll mention, doing yeah. all these 800s, yep. I had a couple of carts that I was plugging in and testing. Yeah. To, you know, Pac-Man to test the cartridge port or basic. Mm-hmm. Or if you have no cart in, it pops up memo pad. Yep. So I went online and found uh, an eBay auction where they just kind of said, hey, Atari 800 and Intellivision Games auction. Yeah. And they didn't show all of them. You could see how many there were, but you couldn't see all the labels. Yeah. So I'm like, Dude, it's going for cheap enough. That'd be fun to just get it and like go one at a time, go like explore. Christmas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I got these until I mean they're not boxed. I got those. Yeah. And then I got I I just have a few here, but I got about ten Atari 800 games. Yeah. Which these typically go for like ten bucks a pop. I've got Jumbo Jet Pilot. Ooh. Which is like a simulator. I plugged it in. I'm like, there's controls and stuff all over. But I don't know how to play this. I have no. It's like a simulator. I finally have a copy of Star Raiders for my 800. Ooh, nice. I got E.T. Phone Home, okay. which is completely different than the 2600. Yeah, yeah. It's not the worst game in the history of video games, according to people. Yeah, well, the 2600 version is different, and yeah. that's the one they're talking about. But yeah. Um, now, I will say, I on the last episode, Doug 10-Minute Amiga Retrocast, that episode 39, gave me crap for saying Galaga was not a great game. Right. I do want to make sure people know I enjoy classic games. Yeah. I got I popped this in to see if the game worked. I ended up playing Joust for like 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. I couldn't stop. 
I love Joust. This is a great version of Joust. Yep. Same thing with Missile Command. I plugged it in, I couldn't stop. And I'm like, dude, I need to check all 10 of these. I can't just keep spending 20 minutes each because I had like half an hour out there and I already went past my time that I was allotted. I had to come back in and make dinner. Um, anyways, I got a bunch of carts. I got Dig Dug. I got Donkey Kong, which I didn't have yet. I got you a bunch of stuff. You do have Astro Smash. I do now. Yeah. So That's the nice. television games that I got, yeah, I got a couple I wanted, but I want them boxed. Yeah. Um, but I now own Astro Smash, so I still have not pay- played it. Which you could still play it. I mean, there's a nice website where you can look at the um, the, the little uh, controller sheet that the plugs inserts. In, the inserts. Yeah. Um, and you can even print them out if you want to overlay them. If you print them on, like, a photo paper, they actually fit pretty well in there. Like, okay. they, they look like nice little inserts. So if I ever got a loose cartridge, I just want to play the game. I'm not into collecting. Like, if I... If I find one, I want the insert. I'll just photo print it on photo paper and slide it in. Yeah, when it comes to television, I want to collect. They're cheap enough. I want to collect the real thing. But yep. I've been wanting to play that. Yeah. And the other one I've been really wanting to play is another gold label, which means what? It's a magic. Uh, oh, I see. What you're, that's silver, I think. Oh, okay. The gold ones mean. I don't know. What are you talking? They about? work with the speech synthesizer. Oh, is that what it means? I didn't know that. Bomb Squad. Yeah. Oh, cool. I don't have that one. So yeah. this is the game nice. all about diffusing bombs. And yep. the new Intellivision Amico has a revised version of this game. Of Bomb Squad, yeah. So I'm excited about that. Um, and then I got a couple of doubles. I have a game here that has no label. So who knows what it is? Who knows? I just think it's a blast. I have another copper, copy now of B-17 Bomber. But Could again, it be triple action? Oh, like a, look at that! <laughs> it was like a label. That was stuck to the bottom. All it right. was like a weird label just l- hanging loose on I the table. I own triple action, apparently. Yeah. That makes sense. I like this one. It looks almost like someone printed it out on like a brother labeler. Auto racing. <laughs> Auto racing. Just yeah. white text, black, or I'm sorry, uh, black text, white background. Yeah. And then what's the last one here? Atlantis, which I don't own yet. That is a magic, and that is your silver cartridge. So Yeah. Anyways, a whole bunch of random games that was fun to pick up. Cool. Felt like Christmas. That's a good lot. I think so. Um, how about you hop ahead and tell us about your mister? I did a... Uh, I, I removed... So when you get into the mister, you start realizing that you can like take pieces off of it and add pieces, like almost like a Lego set. So I removed this thing off of mine called the Super I.O. board, which I never really used other than for the memory on it. And so I replaced that 32 meg memory module with a 128 meg memory module. But doing sounds like that, a lot. <laughs> what? It sounds like a lot. Yeah, but I basically removed a big piece of the Mister, which made my case kind of empty. So I put the 128 megabyte module in there, which right now the only thing that works with the 128 megabyte module is the Neo Geo core. But now I can play all the Neo Geo arcade games. So they all play natively now on my Mister. That's cool. So and they all play great. I played uh, Samurai Showdown. I played. Uh, uh, I always test it with Metal Slug just to make sure it doesn't chug. And it, it's <laughs> Metal, perfect. That's the official chug game. Yeah, for it, emulation on Neo Geo. It runs perfectly, which so, is funny because it's also the game most people want to play. Yeah, and it plays perfectly. So the Neo Geo Core is is amazing. So anyway, now I have this this Mr. Case that wasn't designed for the parts I have, but I made it work by putting it using 
Sugru. <laughs> oh, you taught me about Sugru. Yep. So what I did is I bought a fan plate from uh, Mr. Add-ons. Like he's uh, on Twitter as at Mr. Add-ons. I bought a fan plate because that's all I need is like uh, the main Mr. Board, which is called the DE10, and then the 128 meg memory module, and then the fan fits right on top. But the fan, if you put it on, it kind of flops around a little bit in this case that I have because it's not made for it. But what I did is I made a little Sugru feet for it and attached nice. to the sides, and it just fits in there perfectly now. Love it. So, like, I just engineered it and put the lid on it, and it looks great. It looks like a full, So, like, Sugru is, like, clay, by the way, for yeah. people who don't know. And Eric introduced me to this. You can buy it on yep. Amazon, whatever. You can buy it anywhere, uh, hardware stores, Home Depot, whatever. So, imagine you open this little pack of clay, yep. and it can be whatever color you order. Yep. And you literally can mold it into whatever you want and affix it to things. Yep. Let it dry for like 30 minutes. Yep. And now it's basically hardened, permanently attached rubber. But it, And it is flexible. So it's like it, uh, I made it for, I've used it as feet. In fact, my Mr. Case didn't have feet on it. Mm-hmm. So it would vibrate with the fan. So I put Mr. Feet on the bottom and now it's dead silent. There you go. Um, but I made little like um, ledges almost where the fan plate will sit on there. So I don't have to screw it in anything. It just sits in there. And then I put a little piece on the top and it. It does not kind of make you just kind of hand make your own parts. Yeah. And in fact, it's called Sugru S U G R U, but it's on the package. It says moldable glue, and that's really what it is because it will stick to anything. It's moldable glue that is rubbery. Yeah, I've made like a hook and put it in my shower and like attached it to the shower like a head thing, and it just sits there. And it I could put my little loofah things on it, and it just sits there forever. And I've had that thing on there for five years. So Sugru is cool. awesome. But anyway, so I added that 128 meg module and it and the fan plate, and now my Mister runs perfectly, and I've been having a blast with it. Yeah, that's cool. I, I just I think it's an avenue I'm not going to go down for whatever reason. It doesn't grab me, and I think, like mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, it's just because I want real hardware. Yep. And I don't want that excuse to not pursue what I love to pursue. Sure. So no, I, I get it. I get it. But for me, no. Um, Eric. Yeah. I am holding in my hand a couple of new games. Yeah, and these are ZX Spectrum Next games in the cases. Yep, those are in the cases. now. So did they standardize on a case? Like, are all games going to come on this? Or So I think they did. It is a standard DVD case, but there's a modification in the center there Yeah, that holds a an SD card. Yeah. Now, what is funny about that, though, again, they have kind of standard art. Mm-hmm. So I know the first games that came out from Adrian Cummings... He came out with like a Montana Mike and um, uh, I can't remember some of the other games right now. Yeah. And they sold out right away. And I didn't get a chance to buy them physically. Um, but I do. I did buy them on itch.io. Yeah. So now the games from Jim Bagley have, have been coming out. Yeah. And so I bought all three of them. So you're holding two of them, which are? Yeah. Baggers in Space. Awesome game. And I can't read that one. It's, ty- I'm gonna, I Tiverian? think it's Tiverian or Tiverian. Tiverian, yeah. I have put hours into both these games. They are legitimately great games. Wow. To the point where I'm going to let you play some because I love it. Um, now, what I will say is it's interesting to me that the case holds a, an SD card plastic case, mm-hmm. like the small case. Yeah. But when you open that up, it's a full-size SD card. But you, if you know, you, like me, about a year ago, they stopped making full-size SD cards. That's right. Everything now, as I drop it on the ground... Where'd I buy that? I'm going to run over my own game. Everything now is an SD card adapter with a micro SD card in it. That's right. 
I've done that so many times. And that's what like, these are. Yeah. The labels are on the adapter. Yeah. And the micro SD card has the game on it. Yep. So, so I get a kick out of it. Because the thing is that whenever you buy a micro SD card, many, many times it'll come with uh, an adapter. It just comes with it. Oh, you better find that. I lost my game. Oh, man. So a few short hours later, I found my game on the floor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're small. Um, but yeah, these games are great. And I wanted to show you how great they are, Eric, by letting you play on my ZX Spectrum, which you have yet to play. I have yet to play the next. So let me that go ahead true. and uh, pull up. Now, they're both very different games. Uh, ba- Baggers in Space is very much like a jetpack game. Yeah. Um, and then... Oh, not there. And then the Tiverian game. It's kind of its own thing, but I do really love it. Um, here you go. Baggers in Space from Ruxy, Rusty Pixels. And I'll let the sound play in the background because... It's all so good. I don't know if you can hear that. I do. I can hear it, So what I love about both these games, they both kind of have the same over map from when you open the game. Yeah. And as you beat, like you'll play, both of them kind of work the same. Once you beat a level, Mm -hmm. the next time you load the game, you can start at the next level you just got to. So you can go back to the first level if you wanted to. Correct, which is where I'm going to start you. Yeah. But like on on Baggers in Space, I'm on level 10, and I'm trying to beat level 10, which is called Gothicus. Yeah. And same thing with Trevarian. I'm on level 9, I think, trying to beat that one. Uh, so B is um, shoot. But it the, essentially, Baggers in space, so you can see here, you just crashed into a asteroid. Yeah. And now you're entering planet Armitage. And it starts as jetpack. Okay. So you're a bagger, Jim Bagley. <laughs> and you are playing jetpack. There's uh, meteors flying at you. You got to take those parts and build your ship. Just like a Jetpack, which is a classic ZX Spectrum game. Yep. And then now you built your ship, so you have to get d- dynamite. You have dynamite now, Eric. So now what button do I use to so do that? So go, imagine you're playing the game Hero now. Yeah, okay. And you go down to that, that little broken chunk of earth down there that it just pointed to. Do, 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 do. Broken. You can shoot those guys. Yeah. Remember, if you die, if you get hit, you don't die immediately. You get you lose health. Now Sorry. hit C. And then run away, run away, you set a bomb on the ground. And the dynamite blows up and opens a new cave into the earth. And now to get the fuel for your ship, just like in Jetpack, you have to go find it. But now you're on a flick screen game where there's robots and shooting you in caverns. And uh, you can shoot those things enough to to kill them if you want. Or you can ignore them and go past them. Uh, There's fuel right there. Oh, no, that guy's, um, he's some kind of an upgrade. Uh, but now it's a flick screen, like almost Metroidvania game, where you got to go find three different bottles of fuel. Yeah. Each time you find one, you got to go back to your ship and drop it in there. And what is that thing down there? Is that uh, thing I need to get? Yep, you do. You got to be careful there, and you got it. And that's going to allow you to your shots are now able to kill certain enemies further on the level that you normally wouldn't be able to kill. Okay. Yeah, it's quicker. Cool. It's a quick game. Um, it's a beautiful game. It's I mean, great. It does. It is reminiscent of Jetpack, but it's got There's some oh, fuel for fuel. you. Yeah, I saw that. Ooh. You got some fuel. Now you're carrying fuel. You got to take that back to your ship and drop it in there. And I just have a blast. And every level is completely different. It's very smooth. Yeah, oh. it, it, they did a great job programming this. There you go. You're a third of the way filled up in fuel. Um, and what's hilarious about it is each level. The first one shows a meteor when you crash into it. Yeah. As the levels continue on, they'll show r- different kind of 80s things that 
become the meteor. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember some of them right now. They're escaping me, but um, I know the level I'm on right now is it's actually not very 80s. It's just horror themed, and I you're Dracula. You become Dracula. Yeah. Um, so you're you're into it. I was I got right into this game. I couldn't put it down. No, I like I played it. it oh. I played it three nights straight in a row, and I keep getting a few levels further every time. Um, but like I said, you beat a level, you 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 beat it, and now you can try the next level every time from the start. So you don't have to sit there and play the whole game through every time. Yeah. Is um, there a way to get health? Yeah, there is. Uh, but I don't think the way you're going has it. I think you had to go in that first room. You had to go to the left instead of the right. I got you. So. No, I like it a lot. It's a great game. So what I'm going to show you here, real quick. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Go ahead. I just clicked the reset button on the Spectrum next. Yeah. Which reset the system. This is also kind of a next review, because I don't think we've ever talked about it before. Yeah. So now I'm going to go and let you try uh, Tervarian real quick, just to, to kind of get an idea of what this game is. Here you go. Okay. Same buttons. Yep. Also by Rusty Pixels. And I like this game as much, if not more. Um, yeah, go back to level one. And you basically have ten screens to clear to beat a level. Um, What's the goal here? You want to collect all those blue dots. Think, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, think. Um, so almost trans like that sector. Trans sector, yeah. Yep. And then in this particular set of levels, uh, you can shoot with your ship. Yeah. Um, you can choose which ship you want to play with you, under options. This is my favorite looking one. Oh, you ran you? out of time. There's a timer, Eric. Oh, I was gonna say what? <laughs> I got blown up. <laughs> there you go. Now you know what you're doing. So yeah. you're just crushing it. Um, but then every level, I, it's hard for me to describe, but every level adds a new element or a new twist on the standard gameplay. Yeah. There you go. You beat the first stage of level one. Yeah. And it just changes, even though the gameplay doesn't change much, something changes about it, which makes it a whole different game almost every time. Yeah. Um, and it's brilliant. I absolutely love it. It's almost I, like a puzzle game, but it, you feel enough action where it's not... A puzzle game, really, and there's more than one way to solve it. It's yeah. not like it's not like you have to do everything exactly the way they designed it. There's always, you know, enough right. fudge room in there for you to figure it out on your own. So, for example, when you shoot and hold the button down, you can move faster. Oh, I didn't know that. Cool. And then, like these guys, if you shoot them, they'll freeze, and you can run through them without them killing you. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's a great game. It's absolutely great. And you really have to play all the way through it to kind of realize the brilliance. Every time I get to a new stage, I'm like, oh. Yeah. Like these guys, you can't go out there, otherwise you'll die. Yeah. So you got to go out there after they go past you. Yep. I like it a lot. Really cool. Boom. Yeah. That yeah. is awesome. It's awesome. It's nice that I didn't know you could pair a Bluetooth controller with it. Well. We'll discuss that in a second. That's another okay. topic we'll get to. Okay. But right now, uh, oh nope, back to me, back to my specy again, Eric. Yeah, we kind of went out of order here, but there's a couple um, specy games I've been playing. Yeah, that you have to try because they're so good. They're all modern. They're all new games. Okay, um, but one of them shows off the Spectrum Next's capabilities, in my opinion. Okay, have you played the? Um, just go to. I think I have it under favorites. Yeah, here it is. Have you played Alien Neoplasma? No, I believe it's uh, another Russian game. Okay, and. I'm going to load this in the Spectrum Next 128K mode, so I'm essentially emulating a 128K specy. Okay. Here's Aliens Neoplasma. Yeah. I haven't played this one. Love it. You got, you got to play it. Okay. And and if you know where everything is, you can play this all the way through in 30 minutes. Okay. But it'll probably take you three hours total. 
but you can you can do well with my next I can do save states, oh, but you can nice. also do it with your div MMC feature. Yeah, yeah. But what I want to show you here is a very um, atmospheric game, and it came out I think two years ago, twenty eighteen. Okay. So here's what I want to show you. This is a straight. You can see how everything moves. Yep. This is a straight one twenty eight k specy emulation here. Yeah. You can see how things move, and here I'll try to. Okay, I can't. There you go. There I can jump. You can kind of see how things move, right? Mm-hmm. So now what I'm going to do is hit that button, and yeah. I'm going to take the speed of the system from 3.5 megahertz to 14. Okay. Now look how smooth this is. Oh yeah, that's very smooth. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. It looks like a whole different system. It looks like a whole different game. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly a Spectrum. Yeah. But. The, the frame rate is so high now that it's... Yep. Oh, and so every game I try that I try that maneuver, depending on how the games are programmed, it's either smooths it out like this, or it makes the game super fast and unplayable. Yeah. So you got to kind of play with it and figure it out. Yeah. But I highly recommend this game. Um, and then two other games that I think you absolutely need to try. Um, I don't know if you've played Redshift. That sounds familiar. I wonder if I did. I played this through, and, and I want to say I beat it, but I played all the way through all the levels and then kind of started the next wave. Okay. Um, oops, what's going on here? Oh, it wants me to mount something. Oh, that's because it's a disc. I'm playing the wrong one here. Tap file. 128K. So this is Redshift, Red and it is a 2019 release. I did. I have played this one. Yeah, <sighs> it's a it is a vertical shmup. Yep. I want it in English. And oh my goodness, game! This game is good. Yeah. Um. That's right. I don't have Kempston selected yet. Huh. There you go. Uh, controls. I want Kempston joystick. And start. I don't know. Just go. Let me play some gameplay here so we can talk about it. Yeah, I think I loaded this up a long time ago, and I can't remember if I had problems loading it, but I don't think I... I I just don't remember. I love this game. Do you? It's absolutely great. It's a vertical shmup, and it feels very much actually like a um, Sega Saturn shmup, to be honest with you, but it's done on a 128K Spectrum. Yeah. The music, you can hear it potentially there. It's pretty good. And it's done with that that uh, 128K Spectrum chip, I forget what it's called. And it's just a solid vertical scrolling shooter where you get power-ups and you collect points and blow up things. And um, it's very Spectrum, but very modern at the same time. So just, yeah. for, just for fun. Yeah, for this one, can let's, you... Let's see, what oh, happens. No. let's see what happens if I raise the speed here. Yeah. The whole game just sped up. Music, yeah. music and everything. It actually looks like a more modern shmup when you speed it up like that, right? Yeah, but I think it gets beyond playable at certain points. But like right now, it actually feels really good sped up. Yeah. So there's that one. Yeah. And then the last game I wanted to mention, because this one was just released, and I don't think it got nearly as much love as it deserves, a game called Bonnie and Clyde. Hmm. Haven't heard of it. Um, again, load it in 128K mode, which is like my favorite mode. Bonnie and Clyde, there you are, your like cat versions of Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Um Stop the tape. Alright, I stopped it. Let me go ahead and set Kempston up here. 
And this was made in 1986? Oh, yeah. Check that out. Hmm. I think it might have been a lost game. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, Press fire to start. There you go. I love this game. I was having a blast with it. It's a single screen shooter. Yeah. And, Are you uh, still in uh, turbo mode? No. No. Wow. It was just, actually just very... a fast, fast game up to jump. Yeah. And you basically go and clear all the coins, and then a safe shows up. You get dynamite, put it on the safe, blow up the safe, shoot that guy, go to the ladder. Yeah. Level complete. And I'll sit here and just play through these levels over and over again. I think I can get to like level the early 30s. Oh wow! But it's just it's solid. Yeah. I don't know. I've heard no one talk about this game, but I absolutely love it. It's probably one of my favorite Spectrum games right now. No, it looks pretty Beep. fun. It looks like a lot of fun. Pew, pew. So anyways, give that a shot. Yep. Shut it off for now. Ah. And move on to the next subject, which I'm holding in my hand, Eric. I told you we were going to talk controllers. Yeah. I went ahead and bought yet another 8-bit Doe controller. I, I like this one because, I, I, you know, you let me play that game, and I was like, wow, this is actually feels really good. So I bought that, and I can get you, I'll tell you why in just a second here, but that is a the six-button Sega Genesis, well, eight-button if you want to call it, uh, Sega Genesis controller. Yeah. It does have the top two buttons too, right? Yep, sure does. So it's going to be very much like your, um, very similar to the Sega Saturn controller, but it's kind of stylized. Yeah. And it is 2.4 gigahertz wireless, and the node is up there inside my Spectrum right now. I bought it. It says it's only compatible because they only claim it to be compatible with the Master System and a Genesis. Okay. I hate the Master System control pad, um, and I hate the Genesis control pad. So I was like, you know what? I really want to use... I really wanted something for my Amstrad and for the Amiga that had two buttons. Yeah. Now, with the Amiga, I have my NES converted to an Amiga adapter thing. It doesn't work with the Amstrad because the pinouts change. Right. And it doesn't work with the Next either. Mm Mm-hmm. So I bought this hoping it would fix everything, and it still does not work with the Amstrad because the 5-volt pin is on a completely different pin, but it works well with the Next, and it will work with my Master System and Genesis. So this is now going to be my controller for those three systems. So the adapter there is a 5, is a 9-pin. That's a 9-pin, yep, 2.4 gigahertz. And it just doesn't work with the Amstrad. Amstrad has different wiring or something? Yeah, so the power from that... Uh, you know, the five volt pin is different. Okay. So when I plug that into my Amstrad, that light never comes on. So it never gets power because it's going into the wrong pin. So maybe you could re- make a little adapter. I might and do something like that. A little that crosses up. I have the power. Yeah, exactly. That would be fun. That'd be a fun project. And this is 8-bit dough. Everything they make is gold. Yeah. It feels great. You just played with it. It feels amazing. Yeah, 20, it This was 20 bucks. Okay. Um, so there's that. I also bought, if you want to grab that, Yeah. so I have had my uh, 8-Bit Doe SF30 Pro gamepad wireless for a long time, Yep. and I wanted another one, but A, they cost 50 bucks because they're wireless, and B, they uh, I hate pairing Bluetooth things, Yeah. so I found out that they make that one, which is wired straight to my Switch, and so basically now I have the same one, but in the American colors, and that was like 25 bucks from 8-Bit Doe. Yeah. So now I can actually have my whole family play Nintendo Switch games with me without having to use the donkey little Joy-Con controllers sideways. Yeah, which I hate. Yeah, which doesn't work. I hate that. So I bought that one. Cool. I now own four 8-Bit Doe controllers, and I'm not going to stop. I love them. Yeah. 
And then, just today, in the mail, Eric, I finally received... Oh, you got the Retro Brawler. The Retro Brawler for my Nintendo 64. I love I love it. So hopefully you'll like it just as much. I have not even plugged it in yet, but I mean, it. the only thing is it's light. But I'll shove a, joy, a, a, a memory pack in there and I'll feel better. Yeah. <clears throat> but it feels great. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I, I love mine as well as the uh, the Dreamcast one. So the I Dreamcast, I haven't pulled the trigger on that one yet. I was hoping um, Stone Age Gamer would have both in stock and I could order them both at once. Yeah. But they are not getting this Nintendo 64 one in. Like It's always out of stock. Yeah. So I'm like, whatever, I want it. So I had to Amazon it. Oh, man. Which I, I hope, hate. I hope you like it because I love it. I, I won't play a Nintendo 64 game without it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be heading that way here now. But yeah, it feels so good. So good. Uh-oh. I'm up next Speaking here. of the Switch and the Mister. So I... I um, a, a couple buddies of mine on Twitter said they wanted to do a little impromptu uh, high score challenge. Who were these buddies? Uh, one was Glowing Rice. And oh, yeah, one yeah. was uh, my friend H. Shiner. I don't know if you know him. I think I just became friends with him, actually. Yeah. And so in, in direct... Thanks for the invite. Well, in direct messages, they were like, <laughs> what he wants to do is he wants to try to, he wants to try to organize this, but this is like a test okay, to see how it's going to work out. And the first game he picked was Strikers 1945 Plus. One of my favorites. Yeah. So I went and I loaded it up on the Mister because there's an arcade core for it and in the Neo Geo one that I can play now and it worked great. And of course I can play it on my MAME cabinet. But I also found out that I could download it for pretty cheap on the Switch. Yeah. So I used that as like a little practice mode. And then I switched it to, uh, I switched over to my main cabinet to actually play for the high score. And I, I of course, didn't beat them because they're really good at it. But um, I had fun playing it for that week. That was about two weeks ago. Um, and they picked Time Pilot now, which I really wanted to get in on. Oh, perfect. But I haven't had time. I, I totally like, Dropped the ball and didn't didn't do it. So. I'll play for you. I'll be your um, yeah. I'll be what do you call that? Your uh, the wingman. Yeah, what's the word I'm looking for? Not doppelganger. Your um, proxy. Proxy. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. Yes. Yeah. Um. I love Time Pilot, so I think I could have actually done well for once in one of these high score competitions. But you got me into that. I love that game. Yep. Although I, uh, now every time I think about, it, I think of Vector Pilot. Yeah, that yeah, game is yeah so which good. I love too. I think that's amazing. I bought that. Remember, I bought that and brought yeah. it on the show. Um, so anyway, I played. I, I kind of rekindled my love for Strikers 1945 because I actually bought Strikers 1945 on on the Switch, but it wasn't the Plus edition. Huh? And this high score was the Plus edition, so I had to go back and rebuy it, which I did on the Switch. You know, I don't think I've ever played 1945. I think it's always. I always thought it was. Plus, that was the game. Yeah, there's two different versions, and huh. they're both available on the Switch, and now I own both of them. I have the Sikio physical Sikio collection. collection. Yeah. One and two. I don't have three. Okay. But I think it's on there. I think it is, too, yeah. But I don't know if that's Plus or not, now that you say that. Yeah, you got to look it up, because I, I, like... I, I had the old one on the Switch, because I loaded up going, okay, I'm going to practice on my Switch. I always like to be the flying pancake just because it sounded cool. Yeah, exactly. It's always the flying pancake. I did try the flying pancake. I I forget which one I settled on. It might might have been the zero. Yeah. But anyway, it was a fun little competition. <laughs> I love games. Games are cool. Yeah. I should have pulled this up ahead of time, but anytime there's a new Master System game, I'm stoked. Okay. 
Um, I do. I will announce this should have been news, but um, when COVID started, um, there was a four print um, release that you could buy. But for COVID, they released it uh, in PDF form, free to anybody who wants. Yeah. So if you just Google eight bit annual, you can download the 2018 and the 2019 edition. And it just goes over all of the 8-bit computer releases, actually some NES as well, and some Master System. Uh, Amstrad's in there, Sinclair, Spectrum, and all that stuff's in there. Atari. Yeah. And all these games, 8-bit games that were released homebrew for the years. And they kind of go over all of them and review them and give scores and write-ups, and that's great. Download them. And so I found a game on there. Um, uh, Actually, I believe this is... (laughs) I take that back. This wasn't part of the annual. This is another topic, but... There's a game released for the Master System called Heroes Against Demons. Yeah. And, um, oh my gosh, this is my jam. Um, it is a falling block puzzle game of sorts. Let me just change the input here so you can see what I'm seeing. That should be, uh, that should be it. Click, click. There we go. Oh, nope, that, back on the spectrum again. Yeah. Um... I've got a long play going here as it buzzes at me. Uh, Heroes Against Demons was released for the Master System, and it's free to download, but they ask for a few bucks, so do so if you can. And um, basically all I see here, it is kind of a match three game. Yeah, almost like that Vegetables game on the Commodore 64. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Uh, very pretty, and but it's got a fantasy theme, and when you match stuff... Um, if you match swords, that's a physical attack against your opponent. If you match um, vials, I think it was it, it magnifies stuff in the future. If you match money, you gain more money for in between opponents. You can buy stuff and upgrade your. It's like an RPG match three game. Yeah. And I loved it. I played it three times, and the third time I beat it. Oh, cool! It was so good. Yeah. So good. So I'd suggest you download that. Okay. Um, I haven't touched these yet, so we'll really talk about them next month. I'm sure. But Gakagami got me all excited, and I went out and uh, bought myself an Ouya. Awesome. So behind me here in this black box is my Ouya and controller. Nice. Founder edition. Yeah. And I love how when you open it up, it's got a big sign that says, thank you for believing. Yeah. Well, I was a little late to the party to believe. A little but, late to the party. But thanks for the flyer anyways. I hope you love it, because you, you had mentioned on uh, last month's episodes where you said that you loved that the Switch was like phone games. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like, But like on a console where you have a joystick and proper controls and you own the game that Ouya was the first to do that yeah like Ouya did that exactly that is what all the games are yeah so hopefully you'll like it. Be, i mean it's it, you can get them used for like 30 40 bucks now so yeah. i got it regardless i think that's cool yep um and then i also picked up and tim laughed at me and called me a, a masochist but i bought the precursor to the zx spectrum yeah which is a ZX eighty one, yep. Which is very text based and black and whitey. I had a very, I had a, I've had a lot of opportunities in the past to pick one up, and I've always like been like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to get that. Like, it's a little <laughs> too rudimentary for me. Yeah, but you own a pet, which I is, do, which costs like five times, six times as much. I know that was a Commodore. I had to go. I had to do that. <laughs> well, these aren't too much, and I got one in the. I got that coming. I don't physically have it yet, but I think you'll have fun with it. It's a neat, it's a neat it. little system. Yeah, yeah. You already mentioned that you I beat Super Double Dragon. Yep, I already did that. So the last thing I wanted to point out, and uh, maybe I'll do a full review on this at another date, mm-hmm. but I did get my 
M4 card yeah. from Spinpoint. I saw that sticking out of the back. Yep, for my Amstrad. So yeah. Tim sent me an L helped me procure an Amstrad CPC 6128 from England. Yes. Uh, I have it. He gave me a couple of the cool three-inch discs that go with it. Yes. They do work, but there's not much on there. So in order to play games, I really had to wait for this solution. And from what you've told me, Mm -hmm. Eric, that is essentially the... um, What's the Atari thing you got you've been working on? The Fujinet? The Fujinet. That is essentially a Fujinet. For an Amstrad. So it does everything. You plug it in, you got SD card capability, you got Wi-Fi built into it. Um, it does a bunch of stuff. I That is the first machine I have, the hardware, I can hop up right onto a BBS from there. Oh, nice. I don't know how to do it yet, but I know I can. And I don't know how to do it on my Amstrad either. So that would be a learning experience for me too, because it is unique to every system specifically. So. Yep. So I really dug into that, and I learned kind of how to do... It took me a while to learn how to do the commands to yeah. run through... I'm going to call it Amstrad Basic. I don't know what it is. I don't think it's basic, but um, I learned how to load stuff and, and things on there. But the crazy thing about that cart is you primarily... Mm-hmm. And actually, I don't know if I particularly like this, to be honest, but you primarily uh, turn that on, connect it to your Wi-Fi using a few commands. It's not too hard yeah. once you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um and then you go to your PC, go to a website, type in the IP address for that card. Yeah. And you literally use your PC to like load games to your Amstrad. Yeah, I have a few carts like that for old retro computers, yeah. Yeah, so I've kind of been doing it that way, but I really prefer... I actually have them on that SD card, and I can use my computer to load games on my Amstrad that are on that SD card. Yeah. It's basically like, it's like working in like a... What do you call it? A... Um, Thin client or uh, what do you call it? Yeah, what, yeah like you, a dumb terminal. Yeah, terminal. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and uh, but I've been trying to load it by typing in commands and doing stuff, and I probably played ten, fifteen games on there. And what I've noticed about Amstrad games, first of all, they're gorgeous. Yeah, I love the way they look. Yeah, very bright and colorful. They look like Pico Eight games to me. Second of all, I don't know how the coding works or whatever, but it feels like the gameplay is always stunted. Oh, really? So when people talk about Commodore and in England and Spectrum yeah. as being like the two main competitors and Amstrad being this kind of weird outlier, I never understood it because graphically they looked superior and they had full sound, which was better than the Spectrum 48K. I didn't get it. But the gameplay just feels weird. Um, I haven't found a whole lot of games I like yet. Oh, wow. Okay. That being said, the games that uh, the modern games have been great. The game is specifically from Juan Martinez that we've talked to on the show have been great. Yeah. Um, specifically one called Magica I really liked. And so I'm really starting to delve into it, and I want to learn the card more before I give a full review. But um, that card was, yeah, about 60 bucks. That's not that bad. It took a long time to get because yeah. he had to hand make it. Yeah. Um, it does a lot of things, which is probably a really good bang for the buck, but it's not easy to use. No. it's like To me, it's almost like the MSX one from what I read about it. It's like a, uh, to me, it's well, maybe once I get a grasp on it better, but it's actually harder. Hmm, okay. But Eric, that is catching up. That is catching up. We need to crack some beers, dive into a battle of the systems. Yeah. Um, but we'll do so right after Cody's Corner. Yes. Coming up next. Let's on listen to that. Pixel Guide In. Cody's Corner! Hello, one and all, and welcome to yet another installment of Cody's Corner. On this installment, I wanted to cover my 
feel, the, the, the feeling I get, the gut feeling of each of the systems uh, I own, uh, not each one, but many of them, because I think they all have kind of their own personality, uh, their own set of games, collection of games, and uh, they kind of give off a certain vibe. And I just wanted to kind of go over what I felt the vibe was from each system, uh, starting from older to newer, and see if you guys agree. Um, I, you know, a lot of these systems people are going to have, uh, but maybe it'll entice somebody to grab uh, another system. So I want to start right off the bat with uh, kind of the granddaddy here, the Atari 2600. The Atari 2600, when it came out in 1977, uh, obviously you got the wood grain box, you got this great visual aesthetic, and it's a system that even if I never played it, I would want to own it and just keep it on the shelf because it looks so iconic. Uh, but when I see this thing, um, there's not a lot of guts into it. So really, it's all about the programming, what programmers did. But it's a system known mostly for, uh, I'd get, say, primarily for action games. Now, I would say arcade ports, but the ports themselves are so um, deconstructed versions of the actual arcade games that they're own, they almost be kind of become their own thing. You know, Asteroids, for example, the, the Asteroids all went vertically only. Um, so they kind of became their own games. Uh, but I would just call it, you know, really, really simple action console, really good for short bursts, primarily with friends. It's not a console I play too much by myself. Um, so for me, it's the short action console of choice for friends. Specifically, if you have paddles, you can play some four-player games. Now, next on the list is one of the competitors. Um, I will mention briefly the ColecoVision, which I do think is a much more arcade-accurate uh, system. That is definitely a system of arcade ports. Uh, really great-looking games. Struggles purely because of the controller, but the, the games, games look and sound great, and I would call that a pure arcade port machine. Now, the Intellivision, I'm going to say, it, to me, the Intellivision feels like a thinking man's console of that era. Um, the games feel nothing like Atari to me. They feel very... a lot. They're more creative. They're a lot made more made for the home rather than being arcade port style games. Um, you've got games on there like uh, Bomb Squad or um, Sub Hunt or uh, B-17 Bomber. Games where... They're more simulations. Um, they use all the buttons on the pad, not just because they're there, but because they can actually assign a button to the left and right rudder, and they can assign a button to missiles and to reload and to uh, you know do all these different things. Pull up a map, pull up navigation, um, change the compass. You know all these things. So I really think uh, the Intellivision is the thinking man's early console, uh, known for tactical games simulators, and things such, you know, more in-depth games. Moving on to the 8-bit era, the good old American standard, the Nintendo Entertainment System, otherwise known as the NES. It is a very Japanese system, um, although at the time as kids we never knew that. That was just the video game system, right? It was the Nintendo. Um, this is my standard because it's what I grew up on, so all video games kind of sprung, you know, from this standard for me, and they're all judged in relationship to the NES. To me, the NES uh, is just a tight, solid system. Um, No-nonsense gameplay. Um, very very tight and direct control of, of mo in most games for your character. Um, 
you know, the, the amount of, when you jump, you had the right amount of jump when you had momentum. It wasn't overly momentum. It was, um, controllable. Everything was very tight and precise. Um, the, the images themselves were kind of no nonsense. They weren't amazing. Uh, they were kind of gritty at times and, it re- it's a lot of smaller sprites. The way the architecture was designed, you kind of had to work within these smaller sprite limitations. So a lot of the games had very similar size sprites, be they one tall or two tall, um, but there wasn't a lot of variation. A lot of the games had a similar vibe because of the limitations. Um, heavily known for side-scrolling platformers and action games, uh, NES would be my tight, direct, controlling platformer and action game console. So what little uh, competition the NES had in America was filled up by two other consoles, uh, first being the Master System. Now, I owned a Master System while I owned an NES. I was one of the few. It was later on, but I did get one. Um, so I'm not, I don't feel like I'm biased here. But in general, when I think of a Master System, I think of very bright, colorful, very uh, visually aesthetically pleasing uh, games but the gameplay was typically kind of floaty, kind of loose. They all kind of felt half-baked. Uh, it seemed like they had much smaller teams potentially on the games um, in general. Um, the sprites, the characters on the screen were often different sizes. Many of them were very large. Uh, there are some, some games with very large sprites. And the game just all the games kind of just gave you a happy vibe because of the bright, colorful gameplay. And usually the music was very upbeat. Um, I would say, oh, and the, the box art, I think, was a big part of it. Some people really like that standard grid box art where every cartridge and every game looked the same except for, like, one picture kind of in the center. Um, I actually kind of found it, as a kid at least, very boring, um, kind of lacked identity. Um, so ultimately, although I do love the Master System, I do kind of feel that it uh, is kind of a floaty, uh, more chaotic, but happier, brighter um system and i wouldn't say it has any specific um type of game it's known for it would it probably fall under platformers as well just kind of not quite as refined so what would refined be you might ask well the answer is the turbo graphics 16 otherwise known as the pc engine outside of the states the now this is an 8 slash 16 bit console you know you can look that up if you want and you hear me talk about this all the time on the show the controls on this are, I just I always use the word butter. They're like butter. They are slippery and smooth in a very tight, controlled, good way. Every game just feels really satisfying, in large part probably because um, NEC kind of made all the games. <laughs> so it was the same developer for a lot of the games. There were some third parties, but even those kind of fit this mold of this... Um, silky smooth gameplay that just felt satisfying um also kind of shared the colorful bright larger sprites rounded graphics um more akin to a master system but realistically more akin to like a super nintendo or genesis um the turbo graphics 16 is well well known for its shmups um i would say almost half the library is shmups and they're uh, there's not a bad one in the bunch they're all absolutely great so how about the pure 16-bit systems? Uh, I'm going to start with the Genesis, the Sega Genesis, the successor to the Master System. Um, the Genesis kind of had, and it's partially because of advertising, but even the, the system itself kind of had this 
edgy um, arcade action, f- fast. You know, they talk about blast processing being kind of this misnomer they came up with to sell stuff. But the games really were designed around fast. Um, instead of a slower, more plotting game, these games would be like, hey, let's take a, a level. You play level one through seven completely linear- linearly. And rather than going up and down and platforming and having to find puzzles, we're just going to throw 2,000 bad guys at you. And you just got to kick them in the face all the way through the level. And uh, the music was really... Uh, I want to say like cyberpunky. It was the the FM sound chip that was on here, uh, really just led itself to kind of these edgy, almost distorted. Like, I don't, it it wasn't a bad thing. It was just um, it couldn't do like soft uh, classical music. It just wasn't going to do that. So they a lot of these are really kind of heavy driven rock, electronic rocky sounds. And so I would say it's kind of just rock gritty, um, edgy fast arcade gameplay. So the Super Nintendo would be kind of the yin to the yang here. Um, The Super Nintendo kind of had your more refined gameplay, I would say. Uh, Deeper gameplay. And the music was more theatrical. The sound was done based on samples. So you kind of got this um, more, I would say, almost more robotic, you know, as far as everything being perfectly placed but kind of prearranged um, musical tracks. And the gameplay, a lot of it was, um, you know, you'd go back and forth, kind of Metroid style, or have an overmap, and you'd go different places and save. A lot more games with saves. Um, they were meant for a longer experience, which kind of lend itself more to, to my style of, of playing games. Um, I would say it's known for RPGs, a lot of RPGs uh, on the Super Nintendo and, of course, your typical Nintendo product, your Mario-style games, uh, games like Pilot Wings or the Kart Racer, Mario Kart started here. Um, these kind of really, they were loved by kids and adults alike for comfortable, kind of slower plotting, but enjoyable, fun gameplay. Now let's hop into some next-level systems, uh, the 32-bit slash 64-bit era. Uh, I want to start with the PlayStation 1, which ended up kind of being the victor of this whole um, time of games. Uh, the PlayStation 1 actually didn't hit me right, to be honest with you. To me, uh, the PlayStation 1 was full of shovelware. Uh, it gives me a feeling of kind of an overabundance and over-corporatization, if you will, of video games, which kind of led to where it is now, which is not a bad thing necessarily. Um, but at the time, the PlayStation 1, to me, when I thought of it, I thought of very grainy, uh, I don't want to say gritty again, but grainy, hard-to-distinguish graphics. The stills they took and put in magazines, I could almost not tell what was going on unless it was moving. Now, when it moved, it was fast. Um, the gameplay was there, um, but loading times, crazy long loading times. Uh, waiting for a kind of ugly three early 3D, but ugly because of the pixel. It was like pixelated. The textures were like giant pixels that made it hard to tell what's going on. Um, and then it, it had this juxtaposition with this really nice, um, you know, CD quality licensed soundtrack audio. Um, and it was trying really hard to be cool, but not pretty. That's kind of my gut feeling on the PlayStation 1. Now, the Sega Saturn did not do well because its 3D chip did not do a whole lot. It was a whole bunch of chip. Anyway, long story short, the Saturn struggles with 3D, so you can't really compare apples to apples here. 
But when I think of the Saturn, I think of the absolute pinnacle of 2D gameplay. Almost all the games that you're going to really want to play are are going to be imported from Japan, or you're going to play some import games. Um, but you're you're no, there, it's known for the shmups again. This is kind of after the Turbo Graphics. This was the the shmup machine. Many of them are vertical. This is where we got into manic uh, shmups. Um, bullet hells where bullets are flying everywhere. And then, of course, with the uh, Saturn pad having six inputs, it was a perfect. Uh, system to put all the 2D fighting games. Not my thing, but I know this system is known for spiders as well. Uh, the pad, the controller is really well laid, well laid out, specifically the Japanese controller. And um, I mean, this is uh, you know hand drawn art uh, transposed into a video game. 2D, amazing graphics, quick, uh, fast, tons of buttons, tons of options, um, deeper level 2D gameplay. Uh, even some of the, they have lots of really good brawlers on on the system as well, like Guardian Heroes. Um, but when I think of Saturn, this is a pinnacle of 2D gameplay. So the N64 is the one I had when I was a kid, and a lot of people um, kind of look down on it now. And to a point, I get it. Um, but I play all my games on a CRT, anyways. So the the, when you think of Nintendo 64, you think of kind of 3D platformers. That's kind of, they're kind of the innovators of that, starting with um, uh, Super Mario 64, which was an amazing game, and I still think it's very playable. A lot of people, uh, you know, diss on it because the camera is hard to control, but coming right out of the gate with a kind of a brand new um, style of gameplay, they knocked it out of the park. They kept all of their 3D images very simple, and uh, very simple textures where they use textures at all. And they had this filter put over everything. So everything kind of, it didn't look hard edged. Now, nowadays you look back and it looks fuzzy. You know, people say it looks like you put Vaseline all over your, the lens. But they really made 3D look amazing because it wasn't hard polygons. It was rounded. Cre- it looks like little models. You you want to reach into your screen and just pick them up. You could, you know, that's what you, your mind is telling you could. You can just grab them and play with them and I can see how they move. Um so I want to say simple. Uh, a lot of the gameplay on this system is also kind of slower and plotting. But when also I also imagine instant gratification because the Nintendo 64 was built solid. It just worked. You plugged a cartridge in. You turned it on. You're straight into the gameplay. You jump between worlds. You don't have to wait for loading screens. Uh, and regardless of what you say about the controller or the way the thing looks, the gameplay was absolutely there. Um, I... I think I still do think it's a great system. Although, if you're going to get one now, you probably want to pick up one of the Retro Fighter controllers. Now let's delve in real quick to some of the microcomputers. Uh, I want to start with the kind of, uh, I don't want to say granddaddy, because it's not the granddaddy, but the big one, the Commodore 64. Eric, my uh, my cohort here on the show, puts it really well when he when he says the Commodore 64 was the Wild West of uh, computers and video games back in the day. This was the time of bedroom coders, one-man or two-man teams putting together games literally in bedrooms or small studios, often out of houses. Um, so the games were all over the place, and there's tens of thousands of games. So it's hard to say any one specific type of game on the Commodore kind of is what it's known for. It's known for a ton of stuff. It's known for innovation. Um the graphics are known for their uh, their earth tones, so it's kind of darker, kind of a more muted palette, but some programmers got it to look brighter. 
and they had these fat graphics because their pixels were essentially like two pixels wide. Um, so a lot of the they're kind of squatty, fat, uh, earth tony graphics. But I still actually I enjoy it. I don't need it to be garish or overly bright. I think it, they do a great job with the the look of the system. Um, and of course, you've got your SID music, which is this music chip that sounds amazing. And actually, the bass in this thing. When I first turned it on, I didn't believe it because um, I had missed this when I was a kid. But that chip can hit like it, it can hit the bass will 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 shake your TV. It's impressive. Um, a lot of the Commodore games, because of the nature of the program and how new everything was, I would say, in a different way, a lot of the games had very, I want to say, uh, direct input, or I want to say precise, um, in, a, in a negative way. Um, a lot of games where you're trying to run over and run up a ladder, but you're off by a pixel, even though you're on the ladder, you're not where the programmer wants you to be, so you have to tap over then up. A lot of games were little things like that, pixel-perfect jumps, where you're not on the very last pixel, so you can't make a jump. Things like that are kind of niggling issues that, that do drive me a, li- a bit nuts. Um, so I love the machine. I love all of the uh, variety and all the different games and people support the scene. But to me, the Commodore is just the Wild West. You don't know what you're going to get. So this leads me to the British um, opposition, if you will, which is the ZX Spectrum, which I have now owned for uh, a quite amount of time now that Tim Drew sent me one and hooked me up. Um now, I'm talking specifically about the 48K. Later uh, editions of the Spectrum kind of expanded on this a bit. But I would say the Spectrum is known for fast gameplay. And I'm talking quick. Um, you know, we'll sit down and you'll go through 32 screens in under three minutes and die. And that was a, that was a run-through, you know. And next time you try to do it. Um, lots of clicky sounds, which I love. Um, a lot of time, there's no music in Specky games. They just can't do two things at once. But you don't really miss it because there's so many clicks and boops and action sounds for everything um, that are coming directly from the speaker in your spectrum, or if you plug it into your speakers as well. But it just it's this very tactile feel, and I do love that. Um, now, spectrum games are going to use a lot more imagination, and you're going to have to mentally get past the color clash. Uh, did not come naturally to me, but you're talking about screens where a section of the screen is green with like black outlines. And when your red character runs into it, you're going to turn green for that section and then turn red again when you run out of it. Um, it takes a while to get through. And like I said, it takes a lot more imagination, um, which can be a good thing. It would be like reading a book rather than seeing um, a comic book with pictures, right? Uh, vibrant colors. The colors are, are very vibrant, uh, which is neat. But again, can be outlandish or garish when you're trying to differentiate color crash. Um, I would say the Spectrum is known for isometric action-adventure puzzle games. It's kind of this very British feel about a lot of the games um, that were made. And uh, a lot of them were isometric, and a lot of them were these uh, action-adventure games. Not a whole lot of of platformers, unless they were pixel-perfect ones, like Monty. Um, And there's usually a lot of puzzle elements. Uh, Dizzy would be a perfect example, where you're going through different screens, going back and forth, and trying to collect things and take them back to other places to collect other things. Um, Single screen stuff as well. Now, the last machine on here I was going to cover is the Amiga. And I touched on this in our last episode. But the Amiga is unique to me because it kind of is the, the turning point, I believe, and this is more of a theory, of bedroom coders basically becoming teams of people to create games. And I think they were learning how to work as teams. 
Because I think at this point you had a graphics person, a music person, and a couple of programmers, maybe an ideal person, maybe a marketing person, and are all kind of fighting to make the game. And I think it does show in the games. A lot of these games are gorgeous games, and I see pictures in magazines, and I load it up because I want to play that game, and the gameplay is lacking because of whatever reason. It just doesn't match how it looks. Or the gameplay is often there. Uh, kind of we mentioned last time on Deluxe Galaga. Gameplay is there. It's awesome. And the graphics just seem disjointed. Whoever made the sprites didn't talk to the guy who made the backgrounds, who didn't talk to the guy who made the title screen, who didn't talk to the guy who made the power-ups. And everything kind of has a different look, and it's kind of this this mishmash of, of things. And uh, and ray tracing, as, as Tim Drew mentioned, it's just kind of a style that kind of looks dated now. Um, a lot of great stuff on here. Very cool. Uh, but it was kind of... Um, I would say it was kind of the the sandbox, the playground for people learning how to work in teams to make games together. There you go, guys. I hope I didn't upset anybody. Uh, Just a feel for all these systems. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, please go ahead and send us an email or reach out to me on Twitter at oddball. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149 on Twitter. And let me know if you had any similar thoughts, experiences, or if you had a different kind of vibe that these systems give you. Thank you much. All right, we are back here live in the studio. Eric? Yes. Before we finish our last thing, I need to grab myself a beer. Now, I understand that you, my friend, are a responsible adult. I'm being responsible, so I'm not going to have And you have to drive home. And you've already had five beers tonight. That's right. (laughs) That doesn't make me sound that responsible. (laughs) Well, you're being responsible now. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have one of our favorites. Oh, yeah. And I'll still cheers with your water or whatever you've got. I have nothing left. All right, cheers. cheers. This is a good old Shiner Bach, which is Mm. my wife's favorite, one of my favorite, one of your favorite. That's nice. It's your wife's favorite. I, I, it's, I, every time I go to the store, I try to grab a little six pack of Shiner Bach. I love it. And I, and you know, my little Eric's take last month, I had a Shiner Bach while I was recording it. There you go. Actually, that, yeah, perfect. Yep. Um, Ooh, actually, I actually have a little num num juice left. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I drink all mine. Yeah, that's good. good. It's yep. good. But that'll catch up to you, so I don't blame you. Yeah. Um, Eric, before we go, yeah, we have a battle. We do. A big wage. battle. Yep. Quite a big battle in our battle of the systems. Battle of the Systems! <laughs> so this month, we are battling cell-shaded gems. Gems? Ooh, I like that you added that. Yeah, kind of so... Self- cell-shaded gems. The two games are... First one is Beautiful Joe on the GameCube. Not beautiful, but view to Beautiful. And the other one is Jet Set Radio on the Dreamcast. Both cel-shaded, same era, and both created a lot of buzz at the time. Yes. Do you have any um, history with either of these games? So Jet Set Radio has been... Um, I love playing it on the Dreamcast. I, um, I know there was an Xbox 360 release of it where it was like an HD upgrade, uh, but I didn't download that. I just played the original one, and I do enjoy it. It's got some problems, which we'll cover. But I do lo- I do like it. It's one of my go to games on Dreamcast. So I played yep. it a lot. Beautiful Joe. I never I've never played this one, so this was new to me. These are both games I've wanted to sink my teeth into for a long time. Okay, 
They're both games I probably turned on when I got my first Evercade or whatever. Yeah, or EverDrive. Um, EverDrive. Yep. Um, when it came to Jet Set Radio, I actually played it when I got my Dreamcast back in the day. Yep. When every kid in college had one, we all knew we could burn games. Yep. But I was so busy burning every game, I didn't play a whole lot of them. I just burnt them all. That's Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. So um, both these games I knew were a big deal, and I loved the way they looked, but I never really played very much. What I did play didn't grab me right away, so I was hoping to do this battle to really dig into them and get a feel for them. And that, that is a good explanation, because the way I would label do an overall label on both of these games is they're both really interesting, beautiful games. Beautiful? But they're, but they're both, in different ways, critically flawed. So I'm interesting. Interesting. Uh, I'm interested okay. in just exploring both of them, so this should be fun. All right, well, I'll go ahead and let's start with Beautiful Joe, which you played on the GameCube. I'm going to go run some uh, some gameplay here as we discuss. Yep. And uh, I'll just let you go for it, Eric. What did you find in this game? What is this game? So this game is a platformer at heart, right? You'd say that, right? Yeah. Platformer and... Uh, yeah, I mean, brawler. I would say brawler more than platformer, really? but... I'd I'd almost give it a little edge to being a platformer. You don't do very much platforming. It's mostly fighting. That's true. I guess that's fair. It's both. It yeah. is both. Um, but you are a guy. The, the story of Beautiful Joe is that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I might be misremembering this, but when you play it, you are a dude. <laughs> You're a dude. You are a dude. You are definitely a dude. And, and, not, you, and not a very likable dude, no, to be honest you're like with a, you. You're like a dude bro. That's what I call you're him. You're bro. And you basically get... God, I don't even know what the story really is. You, There's a guy that sucks you into movies? Well, I'm, I'm going to stop you because yeah. the intro to this drove me nuts. All okay, right? yeah. To this day, I'm 37, happily married for years, all right? Yeah. It starts with this bro in a movie theater with nobody in there. Yep. And his girlfriend. Yep. And apparently he's really into old movies, and he's watching like this old fighting action-adventure superhero flick. That's right. And he's so into it, and his girlfriend's not totally digging it. Yeah. So she's trying to like make out with him. Mm-hmm. And in fact, some of the ways, the angles they take almost looks like she's going beyond that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he you're is, right. I remember is, that. And he is pushing her away. Yeah. He's like, what are you doing? Knock it off. I'm trying to watch my movies. And yeah. I'm like, dude, I don't care. When I was young, when I was that age, yeah. and with my wife <laughs> of 15 years now, yeah. Yeah. there's no stopping that. No. Screw the movie. What are you talking about, bro? It's on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> Yeah, this guy from the start drove me nuts as a character. But yeah, because first of all, a dude bro is definitely not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there's this introduction, and then he gets kind of sucked into the movie somehow. There's like the blue guy. I forget what his name is. The like, blue guy is like the superhero from the movie that he idolizes. Yeah, I have it in my in my notes here, but there's a blue guy that says, "Hey, I need help to defeat these enemies," and. You go in there. Now, the game is cel-shaded, but it's very stylistic. It has a grain. Like, a, I, I've like read you're in a it's, movie. It's called a grain, like a film grain to the yep. thing. So it looks like an old movie playing. And when you are not Beautiful Joe, you are just the dude bro. And when the dude bro is, is, <laughs> is there, it is very, like, grainy. And then when you dude bro, when you hit your watch and you become, like, the... Like a Power Ranger, almost. Like a Power Ranger, exactly. It, it cleans up a little bit, but it's still always the film grain to it, which I think is cool It looks good. It, it yeah. sounds bad, but it looks really good. Yeah, yeah. The game is very stylistic. I mean, I think it looks really good. It looks like ink. 
Yeah. Everything right. looks like ink. And that's what's so cool about it. It's very smooth and hand-drawn, cartoon-looky, but at yep. the same time, really high frame rate. Yep. Now, the first level has a lot of tutorials that show you the mechanics behind the combat. If you... When a guy comes up to you to fight you, it, he he kind of telegraphs what he's going to do to you. Like if he's going to hit high or low, kind of like Mike, Mike Tyson's punch out. Exactly. So if he's going to hit low, there's like this little kind of explosion-looking thing with a skull in it or something that shows low, and then you jump. And if you jump and he hits low, he gets confused. And then you can <laughs> like go, all bad guys do when yeah. they throw a punch and miss, they stand it's, there for two seconds and go, huh? Yep. And then he gets all like dazed and then you can like just beat the crap out of him and do combos and stuff like that to get rid, get rid of him. Um, some of the very cool, I think aspects of this game, um, you have a special ability to slow down time. And then eventually in the game, you can speed up time, speeding up, like get, let, let you do different combos but slowing down lets you do these like multiple hit combos, which you can chain together to knock a bunch of guys on the screen. It's out. like bullet time, like in the Matrix. But exactly. I think, I think this came out probably around the same time if we looked it up as the Matrix. Probably, yeah. And the whole bullet time thing was really big. Yeah, and the funny thing is, you're right. I wonder if this is the first one that actually does kind of the bullet time slowdown. I think that was part of why this was so big. It just looked so unique and different at the time. Yeah. And it still does, to be honest, but not because of the bullet time, more because of the cool cel-shaded drawing art. The perspective on this game is really cool. You don't naturally see what's above you. You have to jump, and you can jump and double jump. And when you do that, you see things above you, and in this game, you collect as well. So that's, I guess, where I was getting the platforming part, was mm -hmm. you can go up to places where you don't see right away, and you can collect these things. They're like little Vs, or well, coins yeah coins of. things and when you collect those you can activate your slow and fast meter you can add when you collect i think 50 of them you add a cell to that film strip which is a yeah kind of interesting it's called the vfx at the top so you add an element to that so you can do your slowdowns and speed ups a little bit longer because when you do that it's the triggers Left is, I think, slow. Right is speed up. Yep. And the longer you hold them, the more you can do, but you that the length of that time is based on the little film strip. It really makes it sound more complicated than it is. Yeah. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. And the tutorial on the first level guides you through all these things. But so, it doesn't do it in an over-the-top way. It lets you play through the tutorial for the most part with mm -hmm. pretty, pretty minimal text. Yeah. So, um... You it get can the hold game. you pretty well. At, at no point did I think I don't understand how to control this guy with all of his things. What, what, I, you lost me until you said control, then yes, I agree with you there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that, I think. <laughs> yeah. Now, the, the thing that slapped me in the face with uh, well, 10 well, inches of limp noodle was... Well, let me, let me, okay. let me touch... Go ahead. Let me fill up anything here. We're watching okay. gameplay. Yeah, yeah. It's gorgeous. It's cool. You feel... When you string a whole bunch of stuff together, yeah. it feels good. Um, the gameplay is pretty straightforward and intuitive, and it's satisfying. It is. I... Like, right up to the part we're about to talk about... I had a blast playing it. Yes. I thought like the levels were fun. Um, the mechanism for combat is a lot of fun and, and unique. I have never played a game like this. And reviews at the time gave really glowing reviews. It mm -hmm. was getting like a you know, mid 
mid to low 90s. Yep. Getting A's, A minuses. Yep. And, um, I mean, like in bullet time, you can see here, you can actually, like, when people shoot bullets, that you can punch them back at them. Yep. Which that, you didn't explain that. in the bullet time, in the slow time, right. Yeah. And that is the key to beating some of the bosses and, and not even bosses. There's, like, these little mid-level. Call them mini-bosses, yeah. Yeah, like mini-bosses. That's the key, is it, you're either slowing down or later level speeding up to beat these bosses. And there's random floating, like, treasure chests mm-hmm. that you can punch for more things. Yep. Um. It's kind of cool to use the perspective a lot to hide things. Yeah. So if you don't double jump and find out, you can grab a ledge and then double jump from there to get a whole bunch of extra V coins. Yep. Um, then you'll never know they're there. You kind of slide between rooms by beating up all the enemies and going through doors. Visually, it's super cool. Your life meter is a bunch of chilies at the top. Yeah. Or I think they're chilies or either that or like Gene Simmons tongues. Yeah. They're these pink things. Hard to tell what they are. And if you start the game on normal, you get like five chili peppers of life yeah if you go on easy you get like 12 and oh i didn't know that i always did it just on normal correct and so if you're looking at this play we're watching right now yeah it's like 12 they're playing it on easy okay i think that's the only difference i've played both ways they feel the same yeah i think you just get a lot more hit points okay and to be honest and we'll get to this i'm sure you're gonna i'll let you go there yeah i had to play the first level like 10 times to beat it yeah and eventually i went to easy to learn what, so I get far enough to learn what yep. the heck was going on, and then I can go back to hard and beat it. Yeah, so here's what kicked me in the family jewels, was that <laughs> I, uh... Hold on, there's gotta be a button for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh... I played this game, I was like, okay, this is, this is pretty awesome, I'm rocking this, I got this, I'm playing well. I didn't play it on easy, I played it on normal, and I got to the first... The helicopter. The helicopter boss... And it took me eight tries. Now, in this game, you have to go all the way back. To beginning of the level. To the beginning of the level to go all the way back through to beat that boss. Now, you do get three lives. Yes. And if you lose a life, you restart the room you're in. Yeah. So it's kind of like a checkpoint. Yeah. But once you lose that third life, yeah, you go all the way back to the beginning of the stage. For the continue. Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. So... It is and you a get pain. infinite, it continues, but you're going to go back to the beginning of that It's stage. a pain in the butt. And and by this, like, sixth time, I was, like, I was ready to rage quit and just say, screw this game. I'm going to just watch YouTube videos and not play this anymore. <laughs> I really was. I was about ready to give this up. The problem is I felt the same way, but as you, when you started that level, yep. the level starts pretty easy. Yeah. And it's so satisfying. It kind of sucks you back in every yeah. time. But you're right. Every time you go, it's like you can't continue to start over again. You're like, screw this. So I did watch a YouTube video to see how to beat the helicopter, which once you learn the trick, it's still not easy, but it's not, it's not as hard as I was floundering around. So um, I, be- I eventually beat it after eight times. It took me eight times to beat the that. And this is the first level yeah. I, I want to reiterate to our yeah. listeners. First level. Hey, the game's got legs. Yeah. It's got longevity. <laughs> It's got longevity, but it was. Too, this is like one of those games. Like back in the day, I would have just rage quit, and I would have felt bad. Well, back in the day, we would have. It would have been the game you had for the weekend, so you would have played it. Yeah. Um. So what? What you're touching on there, and ultimately is the thing, the issue with the game. I think for, for both of us, the helicopter is the first example of that. Yeah. Where you're like, I don't. Whatever I do, I die. Yeah. No matter what I try to do, I'm. I don't understand it. It's. I'm getting shot. And then you're sitting there going, I don't understand what's going on. 
and you play through it eight times for over an hour and you're like, I can't figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And until you figure out, because I'm sitting there fighting this helicopter trying to avoid the huge spinning blades, because mm-hmm. huge spinning blades kill you, Eric. That's right. That's what they're designed to do. In this game, the huge spinning blades don't kill you. So you have to kind of figure out that you. a lot of this game is trial and error. Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on here? I need to literally get to this boss and four or five times mm-hmm. and try things until I figure out what hits you and what doesn't. And that's not fun. No. Um, so the helicopter is the first one. I had to go to easy to figure out how to beat it. And then I realized, oh, if I go up here and punch in slow motion and do a bunch of stuff, as long as I avoid the bullets from the helicopter, I don't die. But I was doing all kinds of stuff and getting hit and getting killed. I don't. It's hard to explain. But uh, And then in the next level, you get to a point where you get a new ability and then you get stuck. Yeah. You're like, what do I do? I'm like, I killed every enemy. There's nothing to do here. What do I do? I think you this know, is the part where, didn't I text you on this part? Yeah. You're talking about? I had so, to go to YouTube. Like, there's a big wine barrel. Yeah. So right before that, this is what I want to talk to you about. And I didn't do that that night because I was ready to go to bed. But right before that part, there was a tutorial on the f- speed up ability. Yep. So like, I was like, okay, well, then that's what you have to use to yep. get past this barrel. And nope. <laughs> I'm using the speed up, and I'm I'm trying every which way but loose, and I spent like 20 minutes on that. Dude, I don't have 20 minutes to to get past a barrel. So eventually, you told me what to do. You got to uppercut it. Which you've never been taught in the game, by the way. Which you've never been taught. So I uppercut it, got past it like that. But that made me so angry that... And stuff like that kept happening in this game. Yep. It, it almost felt like you'd play these action parts, and you'd figure out how to beat things, and you'd be like, okay, finally, I, I know how to do it now. I Great. And then it become almost like a, a Monkey Island type of game where you're like, I don't know which random ass thing to do that I would never think to do to right. get past this part. And you would have to metaphorically put the hamster in the microwave yeah. to, to pass the level. So I didn't, I mean, that to me is the critical flaw of this game is like it just, there are parts of it that are just too difficult that you, I can't imagine playing this game in its heyday. Without, like, these crazy, like, uh, you know, websites that show you how to through it or YouTube videos that show you how to go through it. Yeah. This would have frustrated me to no end. Yeah. So, but it got great reviews, so people loved it. Now, I I love the looks of the game. It's a beautiful oh, yeah. game. And even the gameplay in the normal level is a lot of fun. It's a blast. Yep. But they made some of the like mini bosses and things you have to pass and the final bosses really difficult unnecessarily. And it's, it's almost like a puzzle game. Like you got to figure out how to bait, which I know that's most bosses in a lot of games, but this one was just too difficult. I mean, Hmm. I, I did not enjoy my time with this. In fact, by the time I got to the second major boss, I forgot that I had an action replay and I just, <laughs> I popped that in there and I, I gave myself infinite lives <laughs> and infinite, like infinite time and power and stuff. Although you probably still got stuck on things. You're like, I don't know what nope, to do. I still got stuck. So even with the action replay and cheating, which I don't usually do in games, even with cheating, I still didn't do now, that's well. something we haven't touched on. When you beat a level, yeah. you have this random like huge jackpot. Yeah. Um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, <laughs> in England, they call it a fruit machine. Over here, you call it a slot machine. Slot machine, yep. And you've got to randomly punch the machine to stop each spinning disc yep. to land on a key or something like that to proceed. That's it right. doesn't explain that. I had to figure that out. 
But you can also get like three hamburgers and get a health back, or you can get three V's and get a bunch of beautiful tokens. Yep. But you have to you have to kind of trial and error figure out. Oh, if I get three keys, I can move past I, the next door. And I would just do them all, and then I realized that the key was last. Like just do them all. Get a hamburger. Get the V's. Get the coins, and then, oh, yeah. and then do the key for last, and then go through the through the level. Yeah, this one's hard. It's like I I didn't want to not love it. I wanted to love this game. Yeah. So. I'm going to do a play on words here. Yeah. Out of 50 uh, amoebas, because that's a cell. That is a cell, yeah. <laughs> sure. Out of 50, I'm sure that's probably errata for next episode. Yeah. But anyway, cell-shaded game. So out of 50 amoebas, how many amoebas are you giving this one? I'm going to give this one a... There's so much good about this, but it really it's is. so flawed. So This is hard to score. I'm going to give it a 35. Okay. 35 out of 50, right? Yeah. Yep. 35. Yeah. I'm going to give it a solid... Uh, see, it's weird. This small little number is going to change for me slightly. Yeah. I want to get. I don't want to give it a B-, minus, but I don't want to give it a C+. Plus. I'm going to give it a 79 out of 100, which would be a 39 and a half. Okay. Yeah. I'll give it a 39 and a half out of 50. Okay. I wanted to love it. So it had so much potential. I'm hopeful... Because there's four beautiful Joe games. Yeah. I'm hopeful that the second and continuing ones yeah. fix the issues with this one. Because those would be a blast. That would be a blast, yeah. Eric, what's our next game? Jet Set Radio! Jet Set Radio! This you gotta say D- it that way. This is DJ Professor K. What's his name? DJ... Oh, what is it? Professor what is K, right? He's got a bright yellow tattooed K on his forehead. Yeah. I think it's Professor K. I think that's his name. I, I blew it. Should I think you're right. This. That sounds right. We're going to roll with that regardless. Yeah. Professor K. Professor K. Um, Jet Set Radio is a game that so many people love and hold very dear to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the DJ Dreamcast. Professor K. DJ Professor it. K. Yeah. And the radio is like this. First of all, you have these walkie talkies and never really explain, which is like this weird Pokemon looking thing with spinny arms. Yeah. That, whatever that is. We're watching video over here. And uh, I'm going to describe this game as, even though it came, I think it came right before, no, it must have come after, it Tony Hawk. W- it was the first game to use a shell-shaded cell shaded art style. Did you know that? I didn't know that. It was the first game. So I knew that was a huge part, and I remember seeing it and going like, dude, that game looks crazy good. Yeah. Um, but the, so, event, so, okay, so essentially there is a city, yep. and it's a Tokyo, Yep. But they're like, we can't call it Tokyo. I don't know why. So we'll call it Tokyo Toe because that's so much different. Tokyo Toe. And there's these different sections of Tokyo that they break up. And there's different street gangs, which are all riding inline skates yep. while listening to the local pirate radio station, which is called Jet Set Radio. And, and they're magnetic skates. And they're magnetic that? skates because it's the future. It is the future. Although they do have two wheels on them. That's true. Anyways. Yeah. Whatever. Semantics. Um and you basically go around trying to tag different items that inexplicably have arrows pointing saying you need to tag here. So they're tags, they're tags by other groups. And there's three groups. There's the Love Shockers, there's the Noise Tanks, and there's um, Poison poison Jam. Poison Jam. So basically, it's a gang war. There's a gang in war. In a fun-loving, musical-enjoying... Graffiti. Graffiti sort of way. Yep. And you basically are playing. I'm to me. It's you're trying to play a 
a semi-Tony Hawk-style game while tagging over at Graffiti. Yeah. And uh, similar to Tony Hawk, the music's kind of upbeat and fun and street hip-hop-y and good. I love the music. It's critically the art style acclaimed, is yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, and I love kind of the art style where, like, when you see speakers moving, the entire speaker, like, gets bigger than the case it's in. Like, it's yeah. just an over-exaggerated comic style. Yep. What did I miss? What else is there to say? The the game does have a very in-depth story. I mean, you you basically are trying to recruit different skaters to join the GGs. You're in the GGs, which is Are you trying to recruit them? I feel like they just show up and you like try to copy them and then they just like, "Cool, I guess I could join you guys." That's pretty much what you In you're my doing. head I always go, "I didn't ask." Like, right. <laughs> like go away. What are you talking about? I think about? you're you trying can... to impress them to to say that you're worthy of them coming on. But there's like they have like always have these cool names like Tab and uh, Je- uh, Gum. Gum. The girl is named Gum. Gum. Tab. Uh, stuff like that. Um, I, I don't know. I think it has a lot of style to it to the game. One thing I really like about this the the art style is cool. The music is really great. Um, I don't like how the main character, the first character you get, he, they all kind of have their own personality. And, like, Gum kind of just, like, walks around and doesn't really do much. Yeah. But the first guy you are does weird, like, high kicks in the air all the time. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Stop that. Yeah. Um, the third guy you get is kind of this, like, his beanies below his eyes. You never see his eyes. Yep. What, is that Jam? What's his name? Tab. Tab. That's Tab. Yeah. And uh, he's kind of got the baggy early 90s thing that I did when I was in junior high. Right. Um, while playing hacky sack. Yeah. Um, now you control your skater. You're going <sighs> through the town and you're trying to collect. You, you try you, to control your skater. You can't write graffiti over the enemy's graffiti unless you go around town and picking up um, spray cans. You can't graffiti anything until you pick up spray cans. Yep. And now some co- like the the ones that, there's multicolored spray cans. Some of them give you health back. Red ones give you health. Yep. And then yellow the, ones give you paint. Yep. Blue ones give you five times what a yellow can would give you in paint. You're basically going around. Now, there is a time limit on every level, which uh, that's a big beef with me. I hate, I hate that this game has a time limit. Okay. In the beginning, it's not that bad because the levels aren't that hard. But as you get to about the third level, it becomes a real problem, like trying to get it under the Now, as the time ticks down, the police get more severe. There's a police force and as levels go on, they get more... That's uh, partially true, I'm not, but yeah, okay. They uh, they advance their tactics. Like, in the second level, they start using tear gas. Mm-hmm. Um, in later levels, that there's literally, like, military helicopters chasing you. And they will fly within feet of your face and shoot missiles at your head. At your head. <laughs> they think the Portland police is bad. Um, and then there's the police chief who has ridiculous hair. Yep. And when he runs, he high-steps it. Dude, he just looks comical and bizarre. Yep. And he physically shoots you with a gun. Yep. Because he doesn't want you skating around his city. Yep. And then when you leave that area, he cries like a baby and pounds on the ground and whines. So when you do graffiti, you have to do as like some smaller graffiti. You just hit the button. But yeah. with the bigger set, you have to do like a joystick combo, like little joystick machinations to actually so you have to do like street fighter moves like down like quarter circle left quarter circle right full circle 
up, down. It's pretty forgiving, but if you screw up, you've wasted your spray cans. So now you got to go find more spray cans to use. Well, to- it, it always works. It always it yeah. always works to your benefit, even if you screw up. But you reset the combo, and if you can do them all, like if you have six sprays for that particular tag, yeah, you get a ton of points. Yeah. But if you screw up six times and you just do down, like yeah. the down arrow, then you just don't get very many points for it. You can still finish the tag. Yeah. Um, now, so but now, let me just—I was yeah, touch on that because yeah, when yeah. you do the tagging and you have to stop, yep, it physically like to, to me stops the entire freaking game, mm-hmm. and you have to sit there and you're doing little like combinations with your controller, yeah, which to me half the time didn't work even though I did them right. Um, meanwhile, there's police running at you and this guy that's coming to shoot you. Yeah. And while you're sitting there tagging, you can't do anything about it. They're just shooting you. And you're getting killed, and you're try- if you try to escape, they just shoot you. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I'll leave it at that for now. So the first critical flaw to me was the time limit. Because in a game like this where you're skateboarding or you're rollerblading or whatever, you want to be able to explore. So I don't think this game would have lacked anything if you just removed the time limit. I think you could have... Just had the police get more intense and more intense and more intense until they, they were like very difficult to do. You didn't have to add a time limit. I think that's a stupid addition. Um, the second critical flaw in this game is the controls. They're <laughs> they're they were never. I'm easy. trying to keep my mouth shut, Eric. I've gotten used to them over the years because I've played this for years, but they they're clumsy. They're not as accurate as like a Tony Hawk Pro Skater. And they do get frustrating when you're trying to pull off. Because the more tricks you do, the higher your score goes up. Um, so the, the the controls are definitely a downside to this game. You'd agree with that, right? Very much so. Yeah. Um, so, so much to say here. So uh, this is another game I want to love. Mm-hmm. Um. I disagree with you when it comes to the time. The clock never bothered me. Yeah, it bothered me. What bothers me is the whole concept with the dang police. Yeah. You'll sit there, and then you will drive, like right here, like if you went down the street, Yeah, and you'll run into a police barricade, mm-hmm. so you can't turn around. You try to turn around, but it, it takes a long turn around, that the police are on you, and they grab you and hold you, and there's nothing you can do but like hold forward and jump over and over again and like cuss, going like, let me get away. Like, what? This is yeah. ridiculous. It's not fun when that happens. Uh, same thing when you're tagging. Mm-hmm. What It almost became a puzzle game for me because the police don't show up based on time. They show up based on how many tags you've done. Yeah. So you basically want to get a bunch of spray cans and do the big tags that take a lot of paint Yeah. first because if you do that later and the police are out, they'll sit there and just shoot you over and over again until you die and yeah. you can't get away. So you got to figure out which order. It becomes like a puzzle game. And then, like you said, the controls were absolutely infuriating. And I'm not the only one, because I was watching, like, playthroughs of people playing this. Yeah. And these are people who played a long time. And maybe I'm just used to Tony Hawk. Maybe I'm not. But the between the camera angles, which it's always been an issue with older 3D games, and basically you're trying to jump on little things to grind. Yeah. And there's nothing to give you a depth perception. There's, It's very imprecise. And if it, unlike Tony Hawk, you aren't magnetically like, pulled towards things. If you are trying to land on a uh, like a stair, uh, what do we call it, like a stair handle, yeah, stair like rail a rail handle, a rail, yeah. yeah, 
and you're off by slightly. I mean, you, and you can't tell if you're off until you miss it. Right. Then you just like fall into the water and you miss your thing. Yep. Um, the controls so many times, like I'm, I feel like I'm grooving. I'm like, cool. I just hit like those paint cans, hit that tag. Now I want to go up these stairs. Boom. I just smacked into a random, um, right. column. And now I'm trying to get back up to speed. The police are on me and now they're hanging on me. I hate this. Get yep. me away. Yep. Um, I don't, I, I, I completely agree with you. In fact, because of the action replay I had on my GameCube, yeah, <laughs> I decided that since I've been playing this game for years, I decided I'm finally going to get a Game Shark for the Dreamcast. <laughs> and it's pretty cool. So I already have it ordered, and you know, I wanted to bring it here today to show you. Okay, but it's stuck in my mailbox. I can't unlock my mailbox. My the the lock on my mailbox broke. What the heck is going on with you in your life, Eric? I, it's horrible. <laughs> Things are horrible. But anyway. So Cars breaking down, mailboxes locking you out of your mail. Yep. So my Game Shark is stuck in my mailbox. You were literally inches away from your Game Shark. Yep. But the cool thing <laughs> is that with the GD, with the GD e- EMU that we both have on our Dreamcast, <laughs> you can put the Game Shark disc on your GDMU as the first disc and it'll boot into that. Oh, that's cool. And then you just stick whatever game you want to cheat at like after that and it just shows up and you can hit the button on the GDMU to swap the disc. So you oh, put wow. The, so you put okay. the Game Shark in, you pick the cheat you want. It says, hey, put the game in. You just hit the button and it loads the next game. So I'm so for the first time in my life, I'm going to turn that dang timer off. There you go. And okay. uh, I'm going to see if it makes the game better for me. Because the, the timer bothers me more than the police presence. I think the police presence... I'm the other way around. Yeah, you're the other whatever. way around. Yep. Whatever. So, no, no, it's cool to have different perspectives. Regardless, but... if the controls were better, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have any complaints that's probably right. at all. So, yep. Eric, that's Jet Set Radio. Um, yep. Now, you do. there are like three different sections of the city. Yep. I've played are. a good amount of this. I don't think there's more than that. Maybe there are, but I've never gotten to there's more than that. There's only three that I know of, yeah. And so there's not a ton of area to explore, honestly, right. once yeah. you do. Yep. Um, which nowadays it would be much bigger, but it wasn't back then. Mm-hmm. And um, there are some things like some standard levels where you just tag everything, avoid the police presence. That's right. And then there's um, there's ones where you try to mimic uh, a newcomer's moves to entice them onto your team that's 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 another challenge yep and then i got to a point where you basically have to collect you get like a ton of time and you basically have to collect um all the cans and spray all the things and basically all three sections of the city at once they're all connected yeah um and that's as far as i got but um that's jet set radio or jet grind radio or whatever you want to call it yep and i want to love it It, i think it, it could potentially be a really good game yep but the control and the obnoxious police, um, a- along with a lot of times just having no idea where that last can is. But I think that would be more fun if I can control what I was doing. I wasn't constantly going, right. shoot, maybe it's up there. Crap, I missed it. Crap, I missed it. Crap, I missed it. I give up. Yep. Um, so so out, out, of, f- out of... Go ahead. Was it 50 amoebas? 50 amoebas. 50 amoeba cells? This, what- game, this game needs its own ranking, though. Like 50 spray cans? We're doing cell shit. It's a battle. Okay, okay that's fine. Yep, it's amoebas. Sure. 50 amoebas. What are you going to give it? You're going to put it on me? The controls bring it down so much, I just can, it feels like an average game that I don't necessarily want to go back and play. Yep. So I'm going to give it... I'll give this one... I give the last one a 39 and a half. I'll give this one a 34. Okay. 
And I have a lot of nostalgia for this game, and I do enjoy playing it, but I think I'm going to enjoy it a lot more if I can turn the timer off, so I'm going to see about <laughs> it. But as as is, I'm going to give it, and you're going to, I think this is going to shock you. Uh-oh. I'm going to give it probably, because uh, I gave the last one a 35. Yeah. I'm going to give this one a 31. That really does shock me. I thought you loved this. I complained about it on Twitter, Yeah, and both you and Tim were like, what? Yeah, I I do- thought you were like blasting. No, blasphemed I, by what I said. I do love it, but as you know, I hate timers, and because the controls are imprecise, it makes it a very difficult game. So I think if I can turn off the timer, I'm going to enjoy it a lot more. Difficult is one thing. If you if you're the one messing up, mm-hmm. this game is constantly being like, "No, I didn't mean that. No, I didn't mean that. Yeah. No, I didn't do that. Yep. Like that's not fun. Nope. I just want to touch on this real quick. This is yeah. the end of our battle, but yeah. I didn't mention this when catching up. Yeah. It's my GameCube. Yeah. Which we both have the GDMU. Not, uh, no, 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 that one's got the little mod chip in it. We have the it. mod chip in it. Yeah. So I did finally, if you open, if I open this now, Yeah. I've got one small CDR in here. Yeah. And this is just a boot disc. Yeah. Which has uh, Swiss on it. Yep. And I have that too. I have one of those. Because now when I open this, there's my SD card in the bottom. Oh, that's cool. I don't have that. I have the one that goes into the front. It's a memory card that has an SD card in it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's what I have, but I'd rather have that. Yeah, and so it's like $6 on eBay. Oh, I need to get So that. between this and the GD, or the, the, the boot X, disc? what's it called? X, the boot, yeah, the, the mod chip. Yeah. It's like a total of like $15. Yeah, I'm going to do that because I'm running out of the little discs and I don't want to keep buying them. Correct. So that right there is all I need, and I have... You said the lag wasn't bad? So the there's pros and cons. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that... The lag, everything else plays perfect. Okay. The only thing it doesn't do well is, like, the cutscene videos, which you skip anyways, Eric. I skip them. I they're, they're choppy. Yeah. And I hate I hate cutscene videos. So it's not perfect, but... It's better than buying I really want discs. the full experience, yeah. and I play a game on using this, yeah. I'm like, oh, I really want the full game, I'll burn it. But for now, that works. Okay. Well, I'm gonna. I have Swiss on disc, but I just need to get um, the 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 memory card one was really bad. It barely loaded the games half the time. Oh wow! No, I was not happy with it. Every so, single game is loaded and worked just fine. I need the to only do downside that. is the videos. I got to do that. And the SD card is there a menu or something? Swiss has the menu and everything. Okay, so it'll look at all the games on the SD card and do yep. that? Okay, I'm going to get that. With images and everything, little icons and everything. I'm going to get it. Yep. Cool. Eight, eight bucks. That is a show, Eric. Yeah. That is a show. Beautiful. Next month on Pixel Guide N, we've got to figure out what we're going to do for our Battle of the Systems. I think it's going to be uh, snowboarding games, right? I thought we were going to wait for the winter. That was Tim's idea. Oh, that's good. Okay, yeah, yeah. I had an idea for that. Okay. Um, I'll throw it right here live on on air if okay. I can follow it. Uh, I always have ideas, though. Do you have anything you were thinking? Nope. Not off the top of my head. That's why I always have ideas. Excellent. Because you just just let me do it all. I just phone it in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we talked about it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we'd mentioned zombie games for a long time. Yeah. Which sounds like a decent, but... Uh, we also mentioned 8 or 16-bit golf games, which you and I love golf games. I do, yeah. That's pretty niche for our listeners. Yeah. How about alternate sport games? Six good games that are sports games, but they're not like major sports. Okay. Like skateboarding or something like that. Could or be. even weirder stuff. Yeah, hacky sack. A game comes <laughs> to mind like the Atari 7800 has Ninja Golf. 
Yeah. Where you that. beat people up and play golf at the same time. Yeah, or Planet Golf on the 64. Remember I, that one? I played that recently. I hadn't played that until recently. It's a good one. We'll save it for the show if you want to include it. Yeah. I found it very frustrating. I love the concept. Yeah. They made it way too hard. Anyway, um, and then Battle of the Systems. Yeah. I want to use my new Retrofighters controller, Eric. Yeah, so and, you can do an N64 game. You can maybe I, go through another N64 game. And right? I love Treasure. Yeah. And they have an on-rail shooter that I've been dying to play called Sin and Punishment. I've played that a little bit, yeah. Have you? Yeah. And okay. I was trying to find a comparable system with an on-rail shooter to com- go against. Yeah. And I know I've played a ton of it, and you've di- dipped your toe into uh, Panzer Dragoon's Vi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've played it a little bit, yeah. I'm thinking that's a good battle. That's Saturn, right? Saturn versus a Nintendo 64 on-rail shooters. All right. I'm, d- I'm cool with that. The gauntlet has been thrown down. Okay. You're going to have to email me the, these because I always forget them after. Because I go to bed, I, I, I zonk out, I go to sleep, and then I forget what we talked You heard about. her first. Eric zonks out. I do. Um, cool. All right. That's a show, Eric. That is a show. I love the show. Yep. Uh, thank you very much for listening, guys. Yeah. Again, if you could leave us some reviews or comments, feedback, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Um, nothing much else to say except uh, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>